It's showtime, folks! Hola, this is Shelly Martinez. This is former WWE superstar Luke Gallows. Here's your boy Shaq Gaffardy. This is the World Warrior Low Key. This is Tyler Sultan of Ring of Honor. This is Christopher Daniels. And the gospel according to the Fallen Angels says that you are listening to the SNS Radio Network. Hey, yo. Say hello to the bad guy. Scott Hall. Big Daddy Cool Diesel slash Kevin Nash on the SNS Radio Network. Hey, what's up? It's the ODB One Dirty Bit Boom! Uh, this is Booker T, the five-time WCW champion, and you listen to SNS Radio Network. Hi, gang. This is Mean Gene Okerlund from the WWE. Hey, this is Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle from TNA. And you're listening on the SNS Radio Network. Oh, it's real. It's damn real. The world is listening. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. You're now jacked in to the virtual matrix. Please stand by for all the latest in professional wrestling, video gaming, movies, and entertainment with Chris Kelly of HeadlocksToHeadlines.com and the latest in video gaming with the sensational sequel. What? Yes, he's back. And here is your host... The Force is strong with you. Henceforth, you shall be known as... Money on the mic, J.J. Sexy! Remember, all I'm offering is the truth. guys good evening welcome to another episode of unplugged right here on the sns radio network and you know there's a reason that play blame it on the rain is playing in the background and if you were here in calgary you'd know that reason and that reason is that well quite frankly that's all i've seen for about the last week what the hell is going on with the rain I digress. I got to blame it on something. It doesn't ever stop, ladies and gentlemen. Ever. 
until we are just going to die. But enough of that, guys. I am, of course, JJ, all caps, sexy. Mr. Money on the mic, if you will. And uh, as I swam into my studio today to uh, do my prep work for tonight's show and get things ready for this big weekend that I'm going into, um, for those of you that don't know, tomorrow is going to be a pretty hectic day for me. I will be uh, attending the Calgary Comic and Comic or the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. Let's try that again. Um, and I will be obviously sitting and talking with one Diamond Dallas Page. And I thought Kevin Nash, but apparently, as luck would have it, I don't know what the situation is, what the story is, but uh, checking on the website today, and I received an email, it appears that Kevin Nash, unfortunately, is going to be not a part of the show. So I don't know what happened, but Kevin Nash, not going to be there. I am going to be talking with Diamond Dallas Page, however. So many celebrities that I'd like to talk with tomorrow and uh, we'll see. I know that they had to pull George Romero due to sickness. So it looks like he's been replaced with Linda Blair of The Exorcist. Probably one of the scariest movies I ever saw growing up. So we might have to go talk to Linda Blair. But, uh, you know, that's a story for obviously next week. I'll have a lot more information on how my Saturday went next week on the show. But uh, just a big week in general. Uh, you know, we're gearing up for big things on the network. Obviously, on Monday night, we told you guys we've got some major interviews happening on Wrestling News Live. Uh, on Sunday afternoon, I will be, prior to Sunday Night Showdown, hitting the airwaves to cover WWE's Capital Punishment, I will be talking with Lanny Poffo. Uh, we're going to be pre-recording that interview simply because he requested that. So that is the route we're going. So I do want to say now, if you guys have questions for Lanny, there's something you want to ask him, feel free to send me emails to uh, Showdown at yahoo.com with the uh, tagline Lanny or even to Show at yahoo.com so that I can uh, get those questions asked for Lanny. But uh, those are the two ways to do that. And uh, we'll be talking with him on Sunday. And then on Monday, we're going to be talking with Shawn Michaels. So if you have questions that you would like the Heartbreak Kid to answer, same thing. Send them to WNLShow at Yahoo.com. Or you can send them to Sunday Night Showdown at Yahoo.ca. Big week for us right here on the network. Looking forward to it. But uh, let's not delve too much into that. Let's talk about the here and now. As of tonight, we posted the Joni Lauer, the China interview that Trey and I conducted as a part of a new show that we're going to be bringing you guys, basically when we have overages of interviews, um, much like we did last week with the Unplugged Extra, which featured Christy Hemme. We're going to be looking at bringing you extra content when we can. That way we can not really worry about filling up too many of the Wrestling News Lives and the Unplugs with interviews. So we're going to be bringing those features to you in the very near future. But this was the debut episode, obviously, of uh, the WNL Hangover with, uh, with China. If you haven't heard the interview, definitely go check it out. I think she might surprise a lot of people. That's all I'm going to say. I had a great time talking with her. So moving on to tonight's show, guys. We've got a lot planned. We're going to be running down SmackDown momentarily. We're going to be talking news of the week with Chris Kelly of Headlocks to headlines.com. 
We're going to be talking with the sensational sequel about some video gaming news. We might even delve into some movie news. And, of course, we'll be taking your phone calls later on the night at 501-588-7957. And uh, you can send your emails to respond on this show to unpluggedjj at yahoo.ca. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the thick of things and uh, talk about tonight's episode of SmackDown. Guys, we start things off on tonight's uh, SmackDown with, well, the World Heavyweight Champion, Randy Orton, making his way down to ringside. He uh, basically acknowledges the fact that he has suffered a concussion, but he doesn't care. He still wants a piece of Christian's ass tonight in that very ring. Of course, this brings out one Teddy Long, who says that uh, he's not going to allow Orton to compete tonight. This is followed up by Christian coming out and says that on Sunday he will, in fact, win the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, And, well, as luck would have it, this brings out the uh, Irish-born superstar Seamus who talks about how he was screwed over last week and that the only thing for sure is that he actually got a pinfall victory over the World Heavyweight Champion, and he wants his title match. Um so there's some back and forth going on between Christian where at one point he calls uh, he calls Seamus strawberry shortcake, which I, I got a huge pop out of. And uh, basically, Teddy Long says, well, it's going to be Christian versus Seamus in the main event for tonight. If Seamus gets the win, then he goes into the title match on Sunday and it becomes a triple threat. If Christian wins, then the match remains the same and uh, it will just be Christian and Randy Orton at Capital Punishment. Uh, And that Orton would, in fact, be allowed at ringside, but would not be allowed to get involved. So, um, our first match of the night, we have basically a rematch from, I guess, Monday Night's Raw. and didn't really work too well for me on Monday, so it didn't really work too well for me tonight. Um, We've got Sin Cara, Daniel Bryan, Ezekiel Jackson taking on Ted DiBiase, Cody Rhodes, and the Intercontinental Champion, Wade Barrett. Um, Again, I I didn't really see the point in having this match again. I wasn't a fan of the first time. I'm really sick of the mood lighting. I I just, I don't think it's helping the Sin Cara gimmick. I'm sorry. The end came when uh, Bryan... Daniel Bryan pinned Ted DiBiase. Uh, It was a very screwed up finish, by the way. But uh, as the referee is counting to three, we literally see DiBiase kick out. 
So it's kind of crazy. Uh, we have a promo with Sheamus backstage saying he will, in fact, beat Christian. And he will become the new World Heavyweight Champion. We have Jinder Mayhall, formerly Tiger Raj Singh in Stampede, taking on Vladimir Kozlov, who the last I checked was a Raw superstar. Now, I understand for the purpose of the six-man tag where they were going with having Raw superstars on the show. This wasn't a three-hour special SmackDown that involved the talent from the other show. So I'm a little confused here. But uh, Vladimir Kozlov was beaten pretty readily, pretty dominantly by Jinder Mayhall and, of course, the great Kali on the outside looking on. Um, Next up, we have Josh Matthews interviewing the big show. And he asks why he's here on SmackDown. Show says that he heard Alberto Del Rio was going to be here. So once again, I'm scratching my head. Show Raw Superstar, Del Rio Raw Superstar. Reason for them to be on SmackDown? I don't know. Shaking my head and wondering myself. He says he's basically contemplating, uh, what is it? Discussing the fact that he might press charges against the Big Show for what he did to Ricardo on Raw. And, uh, you know, again, does that ever really happen? So we have a match set up for tonight where it's going to be Mark Henry taking on the Big Show. Okay. Awesome. Um, this match starts out, and it really never happens. The Big Show just comes out and destroys Mark Henry. I mean, puts a beating on him like I have never seen Mark Henry beaten. You know, so for those of you that thought Mark Henry might be involved with a push on SmackDown, not really sure what the hell happened here tonight. You know, I, I, I can understand the point of view that, yes, the Big Show is motivated going into his match on Sunday, But I'm a little lost as to whether Big Show is turning heel or if he's just going to be an aggressive face. I think the lines are starting to blur a little bit, people. Um, Next up, we have Alicia Fox and Rosa Mendez and, of course, Tamina taking on the team of AJ, Natalia, and Caitlin. Uh, In the end, the Divas match did happen. In the end, Tamina pins AJ with a beautiful Samoan drop. We have a backstage promo with Johnny Curtis. Not much to really talk about. He is uh, basically standing near a miniature golf setup. He says he's going to be the ace in the hole. So once again, we're getting some cheesy cliches from Johnny Curtis. But hey, at least, at least he's getting TV time. So, you know, say what you will. Uh, We have a very... Very good tag team match between the Usos and uh, Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater. The Usos coming out to a face pop tonight, and those guys were on fire. Um, In the whole tenure that the Usos have been with this company, tonight they impressed me, and I liked what I saw of the Usos. They get the win over Gabriel and Heath Slater, who honestly, just to me, did not look very good tonight. So kudos to the Usos for having a fantastic match and possibly getting a face run uh, in a very watered-down tag team division. I think that we could probably all get behind the Usos. And and I'm saying, if you really want to do something special with the Usos, maybe bring back Rikishi and let him manage his his kids. I think that would be a great story 
you know, for right now the Usos, and it would be good for SmackDown in general. So uh, I say bring him in, and let's let's really work on the Samoan heritage. You know, let's work on the fact that Rikishi is a former tag team champion. Uh, that it's it's in their blood to be superstars. You know, make me want to care about the Usos. This is what you have failed to do the entire time they have been in this company. As the creative management department, as a company that has superstars, you need to make us care about them. And I'm telling you, this is one way that you might get a little bit of interest behind the Usos. Um, Next up, we have Christian cutting a promo backstage saying that, uh, you know, the match with Sheamus is a bad call and he shouldn't have to prove himself to anyone. Um, Alberto Del Rio arrives, cuts a promo, and says that Ricardo was was destroyed by the big show and uh, he can't provide for his own daughter anymore. He promised to dedicate his win on Sunday to to Ricardo. Um, They really kind of made it out like possibly Ricardo is going to be out for a while. So big show comes down to ringside. He is super pissed and destroys the broadcast booth area. Uh, they had built a makeshift little broadcast area with uh, you know, the ring barrier, and Big Show just destroys it, tears it apart, and uh, really cements the fact that he is pissed off. So our main event match of the night, we have Christian taking on Sheamus. Very good match. You know, Randy Orton is at ringside watching the match. In the end, Christian defeats Sheamus. But then we have Randy Orton chasing him to the back. And he then returns to the ring and punts Sheamus in the head. And that is how we end SmackDown for tonight. And if I had to give this show a grade, I would say, you know, kind of kind of a C plus, B minus, somewhere in that area. Because look, the wrestling action was was pretty solid. I'm just someone who is tired of seeing multiple superstars from the different brands, uh, you know, mingling on those brands together. I understood that on Raw this past week that it was an all-star Raw, and they were bringing their talent in from SmackDown to be a part of it. There was no reason whatsoever to bring in your Raw talent to SmackDown tonight, other than the fact that I guess they were looking for promotion for the pay-per-view on Sunday, but you should have really upped that on Monday. So, once again, I'm left scratching my head as to what's going on in the creative department or the uncreative department in the WWE. So, that's my grade. Uh, Not too terribly bad for a go-home show as we did see some things kind of line up for Sunday. But overall, a show that kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. So, that's going to do it for the SmackDown recap for tonight. And uh, why don't we go ahead and jump onto the uh, phone line Sponsored, of course, by HeadlocksToHeadlines.com. And joining me on the phone line right now, he is the editor and owner of that website. Ladies and gentlemen, the fucking foreign kid is in the house. Chris Kelly, what's going on, man? Now, I have a question. On SmackDown, T. Long said that if Orton got involved at all in the match physically, he would be punished. He did say that, yes. And, of course, Orton then punted Sheamus. Yes, so surely he should get uh, get like some kind of punishment for doing that because he disobeyed the general manager. Well, I mean, look at it this way, Crelly. If that does happen, 
then maybe the Raw GM will chime in and make sure that he doesn't get stripped of the title. Seeing as how the Raw GM also has power over the SmackDown superstars and the World Championship. I'm thinking what they probably did is they did that because they knew that Orton has a, has a legit concussion. Okay, uh, but, well, not, hear me out. Hear me out. You're right. Okay. Maybe that's the reason they did it. But here's here's the issue. Um, since it was an all-star Raw, where the fuck was Teddy Long? Why couldn't Teddy Long be the one to come out and say, hey, hey player, hey, player, I'm not letting you wrestle tonight. Player, I don't want you to get your hands on Christian. I'll have to strip you of the title, player. Why does it have to be the fucking anonymous Raw GM? That made no fucking sense on Monday night. Yeah, it does make no sense that one GM can strip another champion of the belt. But I'm guessing it's the whole idea that it was the Raw show and the Raw GM has full control over that show. But I'm wondering, as I say, do you think if Orton is not cleared to, co- uh, to compete this Sunday, will they strip him off the belt on Sunday due to, due to the actions at the, at the end of uh, time? Well, now, that, that brings it to mind. Is there any update on his concussion? Because if he's too badly hurt then that might be the issue they might have to they might have to take him out of the match and maybe put it as being christian and sheamus well uh, the last thing that's been known is that today he went to have the impact test and that's the last thing that we're known and of course if you fail the impact test you cannot compete and the belt is meant to, and the belt is meant, meant to be defended on sunday well so, so i mean we we could conceivably and that might be the setup here we could be conceivably seeing Randy Orton stripped of the championship due to this concussion, and your world title match will revolve around Christian and Sheamus. So if we do see that on Sunday, it will be obviously as a result of a failed uh, concussion impact test. But surely Sheamus got punted, so Sheamus should be be out of action for a bit of time, considering if you look at people like uh, that Orton have punted, just look at uh, Cody Rhodes. He was out of a bit of time. Ted DiBiase was out after a punt. Uh, he, he punted out. Who was that other member of Legacy? The third member of Legacy. Um, whatever his name was. He oh. got punted out. Wasn't it Manu? Manu, that's the one. Yes. He got punted out of WWE. So surely if Seamus got punted, he should at least sell it out for a few weeks and miss the pay-per-view as well. Well, I mean, you have to have something. You can't have Christian just come out and wrestle himself. The only person ever to know sell the punt was, was of course, John Cena at Hell in a Cell last year, where literally he got punted and then just shut up. Yeah, but it's, like, it's John oh. Cena, dude. You know, if there's sunlight shining through the arena, John Cena's going to jump up, man. It's just the way it happens. Well, speaking of Cena, apparently he was pretty vocal about the fact that Zack Ryder was not used on Raw. Now, according to the figure of four newsletter, uh, there, there were scripts sent out backstage to Zack Ryder and everyone saying that Zack Ryder would get about ten, like 5-10 minutes to turn face actually on a Raw. And this was true right up until the Raw went live, and they gave Zack Ryder a new script and goes, uh, no, by the way, your appearance on Superstars, that was it. And this upset quite a lot of people. Uh, apparently, this is a one big rib towards Zack Ryder. Apparently, Vincent Man does not like what he's doing on the internet. Vincent Man does not like the internet fans. He's not a fan of Zack Ryder doing his... Uh, the Long Island story. He's not a fan of Zack Ryder doing the inside jokes on his show. And uh, Dolph Ziggler, actually on Twitter, commented, you, uh, quote, you didn't rib the kid tonight, you, you rib the fans and the boys in the back and kicked them in the nuts. 
and you know, you MVP then we did it. You know what? Fun? If if Vince feels that way, then do us all a favor and let Zack Ryder go. Release him from his contract and let him go somewhere else. I guarantee you. And I, I still boycott TNA, Impact, whatever the fuck you call it. But I guarantee you, if you release Zack Ryder tomorrow, they would pick him up in a fucking heartbeat. Now, I don't know what they would do with him to utilize it, but if Vince McMahon doesn't have respect for his talent, then that's the surefire way that you just need to release them. I'm not saying I want to see Zack Ryder released from the company because I like the kid, but if you're not going to use him, by God, let somebody else use him that's going to fucking use him. Uh, you know, he's well, obviously over with people. He's got lots of talent. He might not be the biggest guy, but, I mean, if you're going to give guys like Jack Swagger a chance and you're going to give this guy a chance, then why aren't you letting a guy like Zack Ryder, you know, go? Putting a rib on, on a fucking guy in his hometown the way that was done was disrespectful, and all the guys that have spoken up have balls. I'll give John Cena balls for saying that. I'll give Ziggler balls for saying that. You know, good to, good for them. I'm glad that somebody has voice of reason in that locker room and is willing to get in McMahon's face and let him know that that's fucked up. But, you know, here's my thing. Vince, shit or get off the pot. Give the guy an opportunity or let him go because there's other companies out there that will give him an opportunity to grow. Well, like, I was actually speaking to a former WWE wrestler on Twitter about this, and this is a guy that actually got Zack Ryder hired. And, it, and if you know who that is, you know who it is. If you don't, I can't really say. But he was saying to me how this was just utter bullshit. And this is what made him leave the WWE in the first place. The bullshit backstage that Vincent Mann causes towards wrestlers at some point is unbearable. And Zack Ryder, he, even when they had him in ECW, he should have won that title. It seems like Zack Ryder, Zack Ryder is just destined... Like, Zack Ryder when he was destined to be a jobber. But then he, but then, but then he got, became this hit cult on the internet, and even uh, fucking Val Venus is praising him. Okay, and it's just beyond me. And I get the idea. P- people are like, "Oh, but he's he's only o- he's only over with the IWC." No, he's not. Did you actually see this week's superstar, JJ? I have not seen it yet. No. Holy dear God, Zack Ryder got possibly. The biggest pop I've heard in about two years. And this was on Superstars. But see, I mean, keep in mind, Crelly, that back in 2005, Christian was getting those pops too. Yes. Christian stood in Madison Square Garden in the middle of the fucking ring with Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And Madison Square Garden erupted. The peeps were in full force. Vince McMahon looked at the reaction from the crowd, looked at Christian, and was overwhelmed. A week later, he was drafted to SmackDown and fucking died. Yeah, I mean, Visit Man, it's, wrestling is about one thing, and I'm pretty sure it was Loki who said this. It, it doesn't matter what I think, you think, the guys in the chat room think, the only person that cares whose opinion matters is one guy, and that's Vincent Man. And if Vincent Man does not like you, you know, you're, you're going nowhere. And there's one giant rib I personally think is insulting. And I think that that rider, he has potential. And I honestly do think, like, you say that he that he, he goes to TNA. I honestly think that if they put him with Cookie, that would be great because Cookie ha- plays the whole Jedi Shaw gimmick fantastically. I'm not a fan of Robbie E. playing that gimmick. 
I mean, don't don't get me wrong, he he's a great wrestler, but that gimmick on him seems forced. On Ryder, it fits perfectly. So I could see him going to TNA if he was ever to get released and working with Cookie because that dude would be over. And unlike WWE, TNA has a history of listening to the IWC. So that'll be interesting to see what happens here. What else do we have? Um, we talked about we, we've already talked about the concussion. Um, now, did now you say that you missed uh, superstars? Well, um, Jay, uh, Tyson Kidd gained a new manager for what won this week. JTG. Yo, 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 yo! It's your boy JTG. Yeah. Yeah. That wow. was basically his promo on on Superstars. It was like. I'm so fly, and now this guy here, he's the world's best techno wrestler, Tyson Kidd. And then Tyson Kidd got squished by Kane. You know what's hilarious? I, as many of you know, I, uh, I'm not going to say that I, I'm the best friend in the world to Tyson Kidd, but uh, I did work pretty well with him and, and Natalia when they were still here in Stampede Wrestling in Calgary. And I knew him, of course, as TJ Wilson. So I actually had a conversation with him uh, via Facebook the other day. He posted something on his status talking about Tupac. And I said, you know, it really is a shame that, that we lost Tupac. He was, you know, an absolute great in that business. But just think, if he had been around, then maybe next week on Superstars, he could have been your manager. <laughs> to which he laughed, he replied, and said, yeah, but could you imagine Tupac as the Raw GM? And so it took on a whole different life. But, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know what to think about Tyson's, Tyson's uh, you know, growing list of managers week after week. Uh, you know, JTG was not a manager. He's a fucking wrestler. Um, I, I'm just, I think I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to lobby myself into this manager role. I'm going to ask TJ if he can get me in next week to be his fucking manager. I mean, hey, if we're just doing a, a weekly gig thing where we're giving everybody a shot, Hey, I feel like I should get a shot at this point. So, I, I really don't know where they're going with this. Uh, I really don't. You know, the, in my opinion, this would be a great idea to actually have on SmackDown. Like, have on a main show. Because it's quite interesting. Well, people and, would watch it on the main show. I mean, I like superstars. But, to be honest, if it's not on network TV, I don't get a chance to watch it a lot. I'm so busy, man, that unless I'm watching it on the internet, I just I forget sometimes. You know, so much happened today that I didn't get a chance to, to check out. The Warriors video came out today. Uh, thank God I talked with Charles, who told me, you know, a lot of the stuff that was in it. But I've yet to see it. So I'm just, I'm busy. And, and I hate that we're seeing stuff like this or that we're not seeing stuff like this on, you know, a network. It, it just, it kills me. I mean, just think, right, like, what, what they should do is they should have Tyson just bring in a random manager from that city. So, J.D., if they go to Canada, you could have picked. If they come they, to Calgary, I'm putting out a petition to be Tyson Kidd's manager. <laughs> How long before they get Jimmy Hart to be his manager? Actually, SmackDown is coming to Calgary. Hmm. In the not-too-distant future. Maybe we should totally put together a petition... And see if they'll let me manage Tyson Kidd for one night only. Seeing as how everybody else has managed the guy, I want to I want to put my claim in there. And it could be like this. Matt Frank is like, and this guy here, he was friends with Tyson Kidd back in Stampede Wrestling. It's JJ Jeff Jackson. 
I think I, I think that would work, JJ. I, I I honestly think you'd have a good chance. I was you one of the be... most despised managers in Stampede Wrestling history, Curly. Exactly. So I think you could possibly do this. I mean, go ask WWE. I'm sure they do it for like hell. They they bring back Armando Alejandro Estrada for one week. Why can't they bring you in, JJ? Listen <laughs> to me. It could happen. That dude is actually is actually a pretty good manager, but um, what's here? Apparently, um, in a recent interview, Trevor Murdoch said that he is returning to the WWE. Um, he had a tryout match, I think it was last week, and he said that he that he will be returning soon. Not sure what brand, but I think this would be great. I mean, who do you think that um that he would feud with or tag team with? Oh, that's a good question. That's an excellent question. I tell you what. If it were up to me, and, and I've worked with Trevor, and I think he's a fantastic talent. I literally got an opportunity to work with Trevor Murdoch back in 2005. He worked a match with Al Snow at, uh, at a show called Spring Slam that was put on by Northeast Championship Wrestling, uh, the O'Briens, Mike O'Brien. And I was the ring announcer for that show, and Jerry the King Lawler wrestled Rodney Mack on that card. But it was about two months after that that Trevor Murdoch who was wrestling as Trevor Rhodes at that point, actually got his break in the WWE because Al Snow helped him along and, uh, you know, basically got him a tryout match with the WWE. And, of course, they, they teamed him with Lance Cade, and you had, you know, Cade Murdoch. And when you look at Trevor Murdoch, he does look like he deserves the Murdoch name. Um, like I said, he also looked like a Rhodes. That's why he was able to use that name. Um if I had one person that I would put Trevor Murdoch with in today's WWE, I would say that you have to put him with a guy that's going to complement his style and that might even be similar to his style. And the one name that comes to mind as two guys that fit the bill and have a very similar look would be Husky Harris. Can you imagine Husky Harris and Trevor Murdoch Going out is Redneck Hicks. It could be the second coming of when Dusty Rhodes and uh, Dick Murdoch were a tag team. Old Captain you know Redneck what? and Dusty Rhodes. I think it could literally be that fluid of a tag team. You just got these two big guys that just don't give a shit and will beat the living piss out of you. And that would be the pairing that I would put him with if you were going to put him in a tag team. I'd have to say Husky Harris and uh, Trevor Murdoch would fit well together. Or as uh, as Anthony says in the chat, how about um, Brodus Clay? He's doing nothing right now. Uh, actually, Brodus Clay is doing a movie right now. Okay. He is doing a horror movie. Okay. For WWE films, uh, and, and no, I, I like Brodus Clay. He's got a unique look. He really looks like King Hippo from the uh, Punch Out series. But I, I really think that Murdoch and uh, and Husky Harris would fit much better together. And, and like I said, they, they are very similar in terms of look and style. So I think that would be a fantastic tag team. And you know what? Right now, WWE like to chuck together two random people. So why not? Because I could buy it. Because we know how well Trevor Murdoch works as a tag team. And we know that Husky Harris is just basically a tank. So I think it would be a fantastic idea. Um, now here's a funny little story. Um, as you know, WWE recently signed um, Mystico. And, and renamed Sin Cara from CMML. Well, when doing the trademarks, WWE forgot to trademark the name Sin Cara in Mexico. 
So CMML now own the trademark of the name Sinkara in Mexico. Okay, uh, hold on a second. See, I don't understand this. If you trademark a name, shouldn't you own the name? I'm pretty sure it's um, continent or country, um, c- country Pacific. See, I think that's ridiculous. If you go and you make a superstar called Sin Cara and you trademark the name, if you're in Mexico, you should still have that same trademark. Again, I don't know how it works, but I think that's pretty shitty that CMLL would try to get revenge on the WWE for signing uh, Mystico. I Again, it, it's hilarious, but at the same time, they're probably just looking to get money because you know that the WWE will either change Sin Cara's name or they will fork out the money to get the copyright from CMML or CMLL, excuse me. Um, yeah. Either way, I think it's petty, and you know it's obviously a way for them to try to get back at the WWE. So whatever, they took your top talent from Mexico and are doing something with him. So you know, get over it. At the end of the day, um, like it's it's trivial. It's fucking ridiculous. And what makes no sense about it is Sin Cara when he signed with the E. He went to the owner and goes, you know what, I have I spoke to the E, and they said that I can take off a few days a year to come back here and, be, and say thank you, like wrestle for you, for like a week a year, just, just, just to thank you. And the owner goes, nope, you know what, you're either with us or against us, so you can piss off. Well, so, I mean, let, let's be honest, if you want to make a living and you want to make good money, you're going to go work for the WWE. And I, mean, I think it was a pretty class act to say, a pretty class act to offer to work for them. Want like twice a year or whatever, but apparently they they are very butthurt. So, I might be in that. That is very pity. Um, now speaking of Sinkara, apparently um, he's saying to friends that he's kind, he's finding it hard to adjust to the WWE style, and um, he's been praising Triple H for how much he's working with him backstage, but he's finding it hard to adjust to the style of the WWE whilst on the road was being pushed as a main event star. And you have to think, people like Brock Lesnar, he learned how to be a big star on the road, was in the spotlight. So I'm guessing it's just a case of Sinkara has to get used to the wrestling style of Americans and then get, and then get over the fact that they don't all wrestle the Lucha Libre style. Well, I mean, but you, so you're putting Brock Lesnar and Sinkara in the same example. I don't know if I would go that far. I mean, look, Sin Cara is getting a push, but I don't see him as a main event talent right now. And Brock Lesnar was totally different. I mean, Brock Lesnar was a guy that you knew when he came in, he was going to be a force to be reckoned with. And as of right now, I kind of feel like Sin Cara is, is, is more of a dud than a bona fide superstar. I'm not saying that he's not talented, but I think maybe they executed with him a little too quickly. I think he should have had some time in FCW to adjust um, you know, I understand that they want to push him to the moon because he's the first superstar in this new initiative headed by Triple H, but I really don't think he was ready for prime time. I mean, when I say, when I bring up Brock Lesnar, I'm just saying the fact that, that Lesnar, when he, Lesnar was thrown onto TV and became a main star and learned how to like wrestle whilst being a big star whilst on TV. Then Cara is complaining that he cannot do that. He, he cannot learn on the road was on TV, was being a big star. So that's why I was kind of comparing them, but not really at the same time. If that makes any sense, it, it, it does. But I mean, at the same time, you've got to look at the uh, you've got to look at things differently when you think of those two guys. Um, I would say probably similar to more Rey Mysterio would be the push for Sin Cara, 
But, you know, Sankara obviously is a guy who can't talk right now because, well, he's, you know, obviously not very fluent in English. And at least with Brock Lesnar, he had a manager to kind of help him, you know, not be the mouthpiece that he became later on. But having Paul Heyman as his manager was very crucial to the development of a guy like Brock Lesnar. And, I mean, you can't really do that with Sin Cara right now. Who would manage him unless you had, like, Chavo Guerrero, who they put him in a feud with? I just I feel like he's fizzling. And I think he's a talented kid. But when you're brought up to the Raw brand and they're pushing you to be this superstar and intertwining you with guys that are in the main event and you botch every move that you do on live television so much so that they have to send you to SmackDown so that they can edit your wrestling, that's going to tell you something. Uh, again, we've seen guys come up from the roster way too soon. Guys like uh, Jackson Andrews, who was with Tyson Kidd for two weeks and then sent back to developmental because he wasn't ready. And got released. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's that's why we're sending guys like Kevin Nash, or excuse me, that's why the WWE is sending guys like Kevin Nash and, and Sean Waltman down to FCW to help, you know, get those talents ready for that you know it's just not the same now that it was you know 10 years ago you know you had a system you came up in you learned your craft now it's you got to look you know how to do a wrist lock you know how to do a hip toss hey you're ready for the main event and you bring up the fact that they had an feud with chavo apparently sinkara got all the heat no no sorry uh chavo got all the heat for that match that they had i believe out over the limit but basically, they're, they're blaming it on Chavo because Chavo's a veteran and can take the heat where they don't really want to piss off Sin Cara. And to me, I don't think it was fully Chavo's fault. Chavo is a proven talent. Sin Cara is not a proven talent within the WWE roster. Yeah, but at the and same put- time, Primo was a proven talent too. You know, Primo's been a, you know, uh, pretty much an enhancement talent his whole tenure there, aside from his run with Carlito. Um. You know, Daniel Bryan is really the only guy I've seen that's really helped Sin Cara have a decent match. Right, I mean, and if you look, one thing I think that's hurt Sin Cara is the fact that they cannot, for him, come up with a finisher. He keeps changing between finishers. I mean, when here in England, he used a springboard as a finisher. He used the uh, like kind of face buster when he wrestled um, Chavo because his feet were t- so close to the rope that he couldn't actually do an armbar. I think he's on the spinning arm bar once. They cannot for him just use one finisher. I mean, what in terms of a finisher, what finisher can he use week in, week out? Because he can't use the uh, T4 from, from the top rope because not every wrestler goes up there. You he know what? Use- you know what? If you want to use a finisher, and you know, I might be off base on this one, but it's something that you don't see. You see it in TNA every once in a while. You know, AJ Styles has this moonsault DDT that he likes to break out every once in a while where he runs to the ropes, moonsaults off the rope, catches the guy, and then hits a reverse DDT. I would almost say you could do something like that for Sin Cara from the top rope. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and try that. I don't know if it would work for him, but it would be flashy. It would be something cool. I just I don't know of anything else. You can't use the shooting star press because, well, people use that. You can't really use the moonsault. I mean, there's just I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do with the guy. I like unless they do some like, kind of like top rope move. Like they could, in theory, use the spiral tap, like a springboard from the uh, apron. 
because every other move that he has is kind of too weight dependent. Like I say, you can't use a C4 on someone like Big Show. You can't expect someone like the Great Khali to be able to carry you whilst you do that spinning armbar. So it needs to be something that relies on the wrestler himself and not the wrestler catching him, if, if you kind of get, get, get what I mean there. Um, what do we have? Now, uh, apparently, the former uh, ROH tag champions, Chris Harrow and, uh, I'm going to put his name, uh, Cla- Claudio uh, Castagnoli. Yes, thank you for that. We both had a tryout match at this week's Raw and SmackDown. Uh, now, these guys are under contract to Ring of Honor, I believe. But they were given a tryout. Now I don't know much about these guys, but I mean, if if anyone in the chat knows how good they are, it'd be fantastic to know. But wouldn't this kind of hurt Ring of Honor a bit more if somebody we were going to take away two of their main talents? Um, well, yes, but at the same time, you know, if you're a guy working on the indie scene, if you're working for a company like ROH, your ultimate goal in this business, and if it's not, then you're in the wrong business. Your ultimate goal in becoming a professional wrestler, a manager, anything to do with professional wrestling is to make it to the big leagues. And when you've made it to the WWE, you've accomplished that goal. And I can't blame Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli for wanting their opportunity working for the big leagues. So it might hurt Ring of Honor in the long run. But the ultimate goal here is about their careers personally. So, you know, kudos to them. If they get a contract, good for them. If they don't, well, then they're going to have to deal with the consequences. And maybe maybe if they are signed by WWE, that will keep around CM Punk. Because, isn't he? Of course, CM Punk is apparently leaving in August, September. And why not, bring up, why not sign him to his friends to keep him around? It might help. So it'd be interesting to see how that worked out. Um, now, speaking of now, now I'm, I'm going to kind of uh, no, actually one more one more WWE news. Apparently, Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, has left the WWE once again. Uh, he finished up working for the WWE at the SmackDown taping on Tuesday. Prince returned to the WWE late last year and had been working on vignettes among other things. Now, didn't he want guest host for? He did. He had a, a thing with, I believe, Orton, wasn't it? A segment he, where he, he took a he took a DDT or a punt from Orton. Uh, wasn't it an RKO he took, or was it a spike DDT? One or the other. Something yeah, like that. I, I don't remember offhand, but he was involved in that. And, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. is a guy that has been a lifelong wrestling fan and always been a supporter of the company. <clears throat> um, he left because of creative differences the first time. And obviously, there's still a lot of creative problems going on in the company right now. And, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm off base by saying this, but the more and more I hear from people, you know, that have left creative, Vince McMahon is becoming more the problem than the solution. I mean, it might be time for, you know, Linda and, and Steph and, and Trips to maybe book that home because Vince is starting to really show that something's wrong. He just doesn't have what he used to have. Right, and... Might be time to step down. And once again, someone who is a wrestling fan that was on the creative team has left. Does that, does that, does that not show you, me and you as a wrestling fans that a wrestling fan that was working within the company has now left? I mean, 
since since WWE is now entertainment heavy, a wrestling fan is now leaving. That's just something to say. Now, speaking of leaving, I'm going to kind of move over to uh, TNA. Uh, as, as announced last week, Tommy Dreamer left um, TNA. But before he left, he, he was actually offered the head of talent relations, which I think for him would be a fantastic job because Dreamer is fan- like. If you if you speak to uh, to Tommy Dreamer on Twitter, he always replies to you. He he seems he seems like a great guy. He seems like a company guy. But from what I understand, he left because of backstage bullshit. He was sick of what was going on backstage, and and TNA wanted to keep him around desperately. I mean, apparently Vince Russo wanted to keep him around, Jeff Jarrett wanted to keep him around, but Dreamer was like, "Fuck it, I'm tired of TNA." And I think it's a big loss for TNA because I said, I said it last week, Dreamer would be a fantastic agent for TNA or the E. And I think TNA, have, like, like I say, have missed out. And I, I think right now Dreamer has set up some home business and that's making him busy for a bit. But I, I would be shocked not to see him come back to WWE in the future as some kind of agent because I think he has a lot to offer, even down in FCW, because he, while he might not be a great wrestler, he is a great technician. He is fantastic teaching kids, and I would love to see him come back possibly in SW or as an agent. Well, Any thoughts on that? Um, I think it would be good if he did, but at the same time, he left because he watched all of his friends come back and get fired, you know? He watched all those guys that he helped build, you know, uh, that, that he had a part in, in you know, helping to make them have careers. All of them were let go. They were fired, you know? He was a good hand on ECW before they canceled that show and killed it off. You know, I think he might have, you know, some issues going back. I mean, Tommy Dreamer is a great talent. He's got a good mind for the business. You know, watching him wrestle the last couple of years has been rough because he's really slowed down and he just doesn't have what he used to have. But, I mean, I wish him luck in whatever he does. I think he's a stand-up guy. I just don't know well, that if he goes back to the company, it's going to do much for him other than draw a check for him. I mean... I think, if need be, I think Ring of Honor, who have now come into a bit of money, to try and get him in the company. Because I, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but didn't Dreamer book a bit for OVW? And people said that that, that was a fantastic booking error. So sorry, what was that? Didn't Dreamer want book or for a bit book for OVW? Yes, he did. And didn't he get some, some, some pretty decent reviews? Yeah, so, he did. He, he knows how to book TV. He knows how to book a wrestling show. I mean, a lot of people might not know this, but he had a hand in booking uh, back in the old ECW with Paul Heyman. You know, Raven had a hand in booking ECW back when Paul Heyman was running it. I mean, that was a very family-run promotion, you know? I mean, not only can you credit a guy like Paul Heyman for the ideas that came out of that, but, you know, Raven and Tommy Dreamer had a lot of input with that company and helped do a lot of things for them. So, and also, he also helped book um, ECW One Night Stand. He was the main booker behind that with uh, Paul Heyman. And that pay-per-view was fantastic. Absolutely. So, so, who knows? I mean, and also Dreamer helped book the TNA Hardcore Justice, which, which wouldn't it, was the best-selling pay-per-view of the year. So, I think he had a fantastic mind for the business, but it, was, it, it would be interesting to see how things turn out for Mr. Dreamer. Now, what else do we have? Apparently, uh, TNA have released Desmond Wolf, a.k.a. former ROH World Champion, 
Nigel McGuinness, uh, he had, uh, they had just started using uh, Wolf as the commissioner for Explosion, and I'm guessing his release has something to do with his hepatitis, which I, I, I think is a shame because he was a great wrestler before he got hepatitis, and his, co- his career was kind of wound down because of it. And do you think Ring of Honor would bring him back just like as a mouthpiece? Um, you know, if they brought him back in a managerial role, that'd be great. You know, I think he'd be a, a good person to manage Tyson Kidd, <laughs> at least for <laughs> one week, right? Um, may as well put it out there. We might as well put everybody out there. Um, seriously, I feel bad for him based upon the fact that, well, he's a guy that was a good worker and had it in the ring, but the fact that he has hep C, they're not going to hire him to wrestle. I mean, they wouldn't hire uh, Hannibal, Devin Nicholson, who, you know, says he got hep C from, from Abdullah the Butcher, and that guy could work. So it just, you know, I don't know what the future holds. If they want to bring him in as some sort of manager or mouthpiece for a guy, so be it. I wish Nigel the best of luck. I mean, I think it sucks that things didn't work out for him in TNA, but it is what it is. Now, speaking of TNA, now, I know you don't watch TNA, but this week's Impact was fantastic. I mean, they kind of teed Hulk Hogan turn in face. Sting cut a fantastic promo. And they also set up this really cool tournament. It's called the Bound for Glory Series. And basically, every match that happens on Impact, there's 12 wrestlers, okay? And not only the Impact, it counts as live tours and, like, house shows and pay-per-views. And there's kind of a scoring system. Like, like I say, there's 12 wrestlers, uh, and the winner gets a match at Bound for Glory to face the champion. And there's a scoring system. You get 10 points for a submission, 7 points for a pinfall, 5 points for a countout, 3 points for a DQ, and 2 points for a draw, and minus 10 points for a DQ loss. And like I say, this will be a three-month tournament. The top four meet at the sep- no, sorry, the top three meet at the, septem- at the September pay-per-view. With, with the winner facing the champion at the October pay-per-view. Now, I am a fan of tournaments, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because it makes fans want to attend um, house shows more because every house show match with these wrestlers in them counts towards the tournament. And uh, like I say, I'm a big fan of this tournament, and I think it would be interesting to see how they book it because it's got guys like Scott Steiner in it, it's got Dave on it, it's got um, Crimson, it's got um, Samoa Joe... He's got quite a few like mid card talents, and I could see someone like Bully Ray winning it because right now Bully Ray is over like the, uh, like Rover with this whole heel gimmick, and I think like and I like like I know people like to bash TNA for hell of it, but you also have to praise TNA when they're doing well, and I think this is something they have done fantastic because I can't think of the last time a wrestling company held a long term tournament to have a world champion uh, contender decided. So, is it like a round robin kind of tournament thing? I mean, I again, I I'm not watching the product, so I need you to to fill it in for me. I need to know what's okay. going on. Basically, I mean, uh, there's twelve wrestlers. Now, I can't actually I can't actually find the wrestlers right now, but they they will wrestle each other on Impact and house shows, and then like each match counts towards the uh, the uh, the overall total, and in October, sorry, in September, they have a pay-per-view, 
and uh, the top three in that table will face, uh, will face each other in, in, in a triple threat match. The winner of that triple threat match then goes to the October pay-per-view, which is bound for glory, to face the champion. So it's kind of a long, drawn-out tournament that I think will keep the fans interested. All and right, so there you go. Also, I mean, and this... Uh, one, last, one last thing that I loved about Impact was the fact that they brought back Kid Cash... Uh, Austin Aries and the dude from the Rock and Rave Infection. That was a fantastic. Like that is one thing that I do credit T- TNA for. TNA have a fantastic exhibition, and they can bring back guys like that. And this week TNA actually uh, got a 1.25. So fans must be interesting to see the old exhibition because that helped boost the ratings. So now I might have to lift my TNA ban on the next pay per view. If, in fact, for one night only, this might happen. If, in fact, the rumors that I'm hearing regarding a possible match between Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn, yes, if that match happens, I might have to cover Sunday Night Showdown that night just so I can watch that match. Because yes, that, I am fine. and have been a huge fan of Jerry Lynn for many years, met the guy several times, class act. And when I think back to all the classic matches that he had with Rob Van Dam back in ECW, I would love to see those two do it again. Well, wouldn't it? That, that, that was meant to be the, the main event for wasn't it, Hardcore Justice, but Jerry Lynn got injured. Yes. And right, right now, the top two main matches are uh, Christopher Daniels versus a, a, uh, AJ Styles and Lynn versus, R- versus uh, RVD. I thought Samoa Joe was added to that. Was he? Yeah, it's supposedly it's supposed to be a rematch from Unbreakable that, well, that saw all three guys in a triple threat match. Even better. I mean, and they're also bringing back Loki from what, from what, I'm, what I'm, I read. So I think it would be a fantastic throwback to the old, the old days of TNA. And that is what made me a fan. That's what probably made you a fan. That's what made people in the chat room a fan. So if they want to keep this whole exhibition thing alive, like each year, I'll, I don't mind. And right now, it, it, it looks like they, they are rebuilding the old divisions. I mean, uh, they brought back ODB for the knockout division. They brought back Jacqueline. They brought in Miss Jackie. So they are rebuilding that knockout division. They are rebuilding the exhibition division. Exhibition division. So right now, TNA seems to be in a rebuilding phase, and if they're rebuilding the, the two um, main divisions that brought in fans, I think the fans would enjoy it. And like I said, this week's impact was fantastic. I know people are upset or confused because there was a segment where Kurt Angle wrestled um, Jeff Jarrett in a backstage um, brawl. And basically, who, uh, if, Kurt, if Jeff Jarrett defeated Kurt Angle, Jeff Jarrett would, would move to Mexico. And people were like, why the hell do you go to Mexico? Now, here's a little thing. TNA and uh, AAA are doing a crossover. And this involves Jeff Jarrett being in Mexico. And why not have Jeff Jarrett send AAA talent back to TNA to try and take out Kurt Angle? So that's... I, I, I just wanted to clear up um, why Jeff Jarrett went to Mexico. But that's all the news I've got for this week, unless you have any more news that we can cover. DJ? Well, we can briefly talk about, again, I didn't see it, but I did talk with Charles Shane about the uh, Warrior 
uh, Karma is coming to collect videos that hit the airwaves today or hit the internet today. Well, if Charles wants to call in, he can feel free because I really don't care for this whole Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, who's got the biggest cock argument, to be honest. Well, so. it's, it's not about who's got the biggest cock. It's, it's about the fact that, you know, I, I completely understand where Warrior's coming from on, you know, on this. Uh, and, and I said this, I agree with the Warrior. I agree that it was pretty shitty for Hulk Hogan to make remarks that, oh, well, he and Savage were burying the hatchet and they, they were talking and, you know, that, that they had, had made amends prior to his death when all he does is fucking run people under the bus to make himself look good. Right. I mean, the whole shoot interview, Karma's coming to collect you thing, is an hour long. It's, it's on YouTube. I actually didn't get the chance to uh, watch the whole hour because I was doing show prep, but people seem to... Like, half the people I've, I've read seem to believe Hulk Hogan and back Hulk Hogan, half seem to back Warrior. So it depends what bench, what bench you sit on. Well, so I, it, I, love, I love that Hulk Hogan is trying to take the high road. He's trying to make himself look like the, the better man, that, oh, the Warrior's crazy, you know... Pray for him. He needs all the love and support he can get. When, you know, I don't know, man. I just, oh, I'm so fucking sick of Hulk Hogan. Again, never met the guy. Don't give a shit. You know, used, I was the biggest Hulkamaniac growing up. You know, I used to say my prayers and, you know, eat the vitamins. and Oh, I just, I just really have an issue with the shit that he pulled after Randy's death. Well, and like. And it, it's kind of ironic because on Impact, when Sting was cutting a promo on um, Hogan, he, he was like, you know what, you've changed. You're not the old Hulk Hogan. That whole um, eat your vitamins, say your prayers thing was a lie. You've sold out. And it's kind of like Sting was channeling what everyone's thinking, that Hulk Hogan's full of crap. And this was actually on air in a quote-unquote shoot interview, like kind of shoot promo. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, like, I mean, if Charles wants to call in and tell me what, 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 yeah, what was actually said on the uh, videos, it'd be great, because I have no idea, so I can't really comment. But, like I say, I'm pretty sure we, we will hear more and more and more about this whole uh, comments coming to collect. I'm pretty sure Hulk Hogan will have his, his say on Bubba the Stain's show, so we will see how this uh, evolves. And at the end of the day, nobody's really going to give a shit anyway. So on that, you know, like I said, I, I know some of the stuff that's going on, but, you know, we'll take phone calls later on in the night and find out, you know, if anybody else has seen them, what they thought of them. But with that said, I mean, that pretty much wraps up the news segment for right now. And once again, I mentioned this at the top of the program. If you're just tuning in, uh, the Trey Dog and myself did conduct our interview with uh, Joni China Lauer. Uh, the former WWE Intercontinental and Women's Champion, the ninth wonder of the world, and now Vivid Video Vixen, courtesy of her video Backdoor to China, on Wednesday. That interview is up in its entirety uh, on the website, up on the Facebook page, so definitely check it out. About an hour long, you guys will be surprised at what you're hearing in this interview. And there's also I also wrote out a transcript. So with that said, we're going to go ahead and hit our commercial break, come back, and uh, the sensational sequel 
is going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit about some video gaming, some uh, movie news, and whatever else comes to mind. You know, who knows? It, it is what it is on this show. But with that being said, guys, you're listening to the SNS Radio Network. It's unplugged. We'll be right back right after this. Hey guys, it's Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ, all caps sexy of the SNS Radio Network. If you're looking for the latest news in professional wrestling and, of course, some of the best columns on the World Wide Web today, visit headlocks2headlines.com. That's headlocks, the number two, headlines.com. It's the official news site of the SNS Radio Network. You should make it your official news site as well. Once again, www.headlocks2headlines.com. I have voices in my head. They counsel me. They understand. They talk to me. Since 1996, Audio Wrestling has been getting in the ring as your definitive source for all your wrestling desires. Interviews with some of pro wrestling's biggest stars. Providing you with a wide selection of award-winning wrestling shows from past and present. Such as Ministry of Slam, Monday Night Mayhem, In Your Head, WrestleCast, Sunday Night Showdown, Wrestling News Live, Between the Ropes, RVD Radio, WrestleCast, and Wrestle Talk Radio, and many others. If you can't get enough Mad Mania, climb into the ring with Audio Wrestling, www.audiowrestling.com, and check out all the real voices of wrestling radio. Audio Wrestling, keeping you tuned in since 1996. Hello, I'm the mastermind, Mr. Zodiac. And I am Sergei Heminov, Russia's seven-time World Rubik's Cube champion. And if you are looking for somewhere where your voice can be heard... Where your opinions are not shut down by capitalist pigs. Where the best and latest wrestling topics are discussed. And where your pregnant wife can be sold for a pig and a tractor. Then look... Wait, what? I said where you can send in your questions and have them answered by wrestling fans. That's not what you said. Yes, it was. I have not had four shots of vodka for no lost memory. 
Anyway, if you enjoy wrestling as much as we do, then look no further than what would fans do. If you've heard something from the latest wrestling news or want to comment on your favorite WWFD podcast, no matter what the opinion, question, or comment may be, we want to hear from you. Please, don't hesitate to get in contact with us via our email, wwfe at ymail.com, and also on Twitter at SNS underscore WWFD. Oh, and Mr. Zod, do not be forgetting our new Facebook page. Just search for What Would Fans Do on SNS on Facebook. SNS, the best interactive wrestling radio network in the world. What Would Fans Do, archived every Saturday night, right here on SundayNightShowdown.com. When you want wrestling radio, you must look no further than the SNS Radio Network. Come now, let's have some vodka. Yeah. Hey, JJ, we got a little bit of time before wrestling starts. Uh, anything in particular you want to watch on TV? I don't know, man. Seriously, whatever you want to watch is fine with me. Dude, let's watch American Idol. This is American Idol. Plus, there's a little bit of ego that's getting out of control with you, I think, based on what your friends and family are telling me. Well, dude, dude, my ego needs to need stay, stay, stay intact. Well, you're more embarrassed than Clay is. Yeah. You believe that you've created everything for all of us, correct? There's a song, and I do credit YouTube for the song. You want the credit, you get the blame. I'm guessing you want me to lose every kind of point and, oh, fuck's sake. Okay. A power and a force that you've never seen before. They got the ability to morph and even up the score. No one will ever take them down. The power's on their side. Go, go, Power Rangers. Go, go, Power Rangers. Go, go, Power Rangers. Muddy Morphin Power Rangers. There's yeah, the chorus. See, it, it, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that good. <laughs> you, you guys can't sit there and say Crowley's not the man, because uh, I'm surprised he did it, quite frankly. That was awesome. All the props to Curling. Absolutely. Now let's smack him in the face with Matt Hardy's penis and move on. <laughs> Get out of here, you fucking porn kid. Sunday, June 19th, from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., appropriately titled... 
capital punishment. Oh, yes. And, Brooke, who better to talk about capital punishment than the president of the United Man, States? Man, can you imagine the president having a press conference for capital punishment? It'll probably go a little bit of something like this. Good afternoon, everybody. Would you agree that WWE capital punishments, that clever pay-per-view name? Yeah, I absolutely agree on that. We heard that WWE superstar The Miz might run against you in 2012. How do you feel about that? I'm happy to have that battle. Awesome. But what makes capital punishment so entertaining? Is it John Cena, Randy Orton? I, I'm confident that's what the American people are looking for. Would you ever consider becoming a WWE superstar? Can you picture that, Chuck? <laughs> and I understand, Booker, that there's uh, quite a guest list for capital punishment. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Oh, you didn't know? It's me, it's me, it's that D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. And you're listening on the SNS Radio Network. And if you ain't down with that, I got two words for you. Suck it. All right, guys, you're listening to Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. Of course, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ, all caps, sexy. And, guys, it is now time to transition a little bit. And uh, sorry, I was distracted. <laughs> it's now time to transition into the video game segment. Joining me on the phone line is uh, the sensational sequel. You know him as Sean. What's going on, man? How's it going, guys? Uh, it's going uh, it's going pretty good tonight. I'm a little tired. Got a, had a long day at work, so I'm gonna I'm staying awake as long as I can, and we'll get this done. And hopefully, uh, everything will be great tonight. We shall see if my connection stays stays up. So far, it sounds good. Well, I'm using my laptop. I've got my laptop, and my desktop going. My laptop has just SNS and my Skype. And joystick.com is on my desktop along with a few other stories. So let's see if we can uh, get through this tonight. Um, we can do it. I have first, faith. What's up? We can do it. I have faith. <laughs> well, first up is Crytek, uh, the company who created Crisis, came out and said they, they're denying that they have the new Xbox hardware. And a lot of people are calling their bluff on this. And they came out with a press release that basically said, we do not have any any next-generation hardware from Microsoft, nor do we know when Microsoft may announce future hardware or what that hardware may entail. Uh, Crytek basically is saying, has said multiple times they do not have this hardware. Another company came out and said they, had to, they didn't have hardware either. And with Microsoft really pushing the Kinect and the 360 right now, we're going to see how it's, how it's going. I mean, it's... It, if Microsoft announces a new console in the next few months and then Crytek comes out and says they have the console, then they were basically bluffing us all along. Right. So, 
we shall definitely see. Uh, JJ, this is something I want to talk to you about. Um, yeah. You remember the old Xbox controllers, the original Xbox controllers? Oh, God do I ever. The reason I didn't want an Xbox was because of those big, god-awful, clunky controllers. Well, uh, to honor the upcoming Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary Remake, the company 343 Industries is actually going to be using the Xbox controllers for their demos. What? And possibly creating the the Xbox controllers again and using those uh, when they c- to be released on the new Xbox 360s. What? That's what everybody was saying. I mean, this is the 360 controllers are pretty much big. I mean, once you get used to them, they're great. That they're fine for what they are, but they are so big and clunky that things just can't work too well. Okay. <laughs> Little John had to join us tonight. I cannot believe they're bringing back those fucking controllers. Fuck that shit. I don't want that big-ass controller, and I won't buy that big-ass controller. The reason I like the 360 is because it's a cool controller. What the fuck, Microsoft? Well, it's not Microsoft. It's 343 Industries, which I, I guess technically is a, is Microsoft. a spinoff <laughs> of Microsoft. Yeah. So we'll definitely see what happens. I mean, they could just be using it for the Child's Play um, child's mm. play charity game that they're going to be working on also uh, to go along with the Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. So we shall see what happens in the near future if Microsoft does indeed release these controllers, or as they're calling it, the Duke controllers. You know what? This news is making me want to go outside and kick little Jimmy in the fucking face. Why do that? Little Jimmy's right in the chat room. Oh, yeah. He is, isn't he? I could just kick him now, but it wouldn't be the same, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> uh, talking a little bit of numbers right now, LA, LA Noir still makes the top list for May and for the May. Uh, basically, making, about selling a couple, I think the numbers were about 500,000 units were moved in May alone. And Microsoft Xbox 360 also moved about 270,000 units just in May alone, bringing in about 39% uh, growth that's basically helping Xbox 360 control the NDP in America. So Xbox 360 is still holding the forefront, but uh, as we'll talk about here in a minute, things, things are going a little bad for Microsoft today. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops uh, has a new DLC pack coming out June 28th. If you want it, you can only get it on 360 for right now. It's a timed exclusive. So there you go. Uh, it was actually leaked by GameStop employees uh, four days ago. It, so, it was actually leaked here in England last week uh, in-game, yes. which is the same as GameStop. But they yeah. like they, they actually put the wrong name. They put um, it, they actually announced it as Black Ops, uh, Black Ops Retaliation. And we're like, what the fuck? They've got DLC out in 11 days and told nobody? But I'm looking now, and on it, in there, there's, um, there's four new maps, and, and, and there's a zombie map. Silo, Hazard, um, Hangar, and Shangli, which I believe is the zombie map set in the jungle. There's Hangar 18, Drive-In, Silo, and Hazard, which are the regular four maps, and then Shangri-La. Shangri-La, yeah, that's how you say it, is basically the zombie map, which apparently they're saying will definitely challenge even the most 
the the best zombie gamers. So we'll definitely have to see. Um, have you? I'll definitely. No, I'll I'll say. Have you seen uh, a game trailer? Have actually got up of it a demo, a quick um, preview of it, and there's like traps and there's like secret ways to get around the map. It's pretty small and pretty um, encased, but it's funny Not- because they actually gave quite a few hints about the DLC in um, Call of the Dead. Because when you free the guys from the uh, lighthouse, you actually hear an elephant uh, making it like uh, what um, blowing its trunk. And in the top right-hand corner of the loading screen, you see a tree and a hut, and that's actually the hut that's in, actually within the game. But yeah, carry on. I'll, I'll go back to being quiet. I, I for a moment there, I thought you were talking about the uh, the new DLC for the GI Joe game that was entitled Shangra. La 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 la. Oh my! GI Joe fans will get that joke. Other people are like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" <laughs> um, to go along with the whole Microsoft thing, uh, something I really don't want to talk about because these guys are really starting to tick me off a little bit. There's a group out there called Lulzsec, uh, L-U-L-Z-S-E-C. They are a hacking group, which are also being suspected as the group who hacked PSN. They are also the group who is under suspicion of hacking the CIA company uh, a a few weeks ago. They have now attacked Escapist Magazine, EVE Online, which is MMO, and the Minecraft servers, along with League of Legends servers, Microsoft, Facebook, hold on. Facebook, Twitter, dating different different dating sites, PayPal, and then Xbox Live. Um, this news came out today. Microsoft had re- had released a statement saying that, to the best of its knowledge, the that Xbox Live was not compromised. That the logins and passwords were released at random, which basically means that the the usernames were not with the passwords. Basically, it's a jumble of different usernames and different passwords, and their Wolsec uh, is basically telling people to go try each one on Xbox Live, PayPal, and all different things. Wolsec um, is basically just doing it for fun, is what they say. They um, information came out saying that they sent a large pack of condoms to an elderly woman, and one person says they their PayPal account was built for two hundred fifty. Uh, 250 pounds, I'm guessing, which is $404. This is pretty major news as, I mean, Microsoft is getting hit. Lulzsec basically just doesn't care what what they do. Um, People are definitely asking for things to happen. Um, Apparently, there was a group of French... three, uh, Three men, if I remember the story correctly, three men were arrested... And they were basically considered to be a Lulzsec uh, sleeper agents online. Their computers were used to for the hacks. So right now, this is pretty major. Were, were, they, uh, they, were, were they arrested or did they just give up? They're French. <laughs> they were arrested. Okay. Um, Lulzsec sure. also hacked Ubisoft, Bethesda, Codemasters, Sega, and they also hacked the CIA. Thank you, Ashley is my name. In the chat room, uh, definitely major news. I mean, Bethesda's got Skyrim they're working on right now, and there's a whole lot of stuff going down. I mean, I feel 
bad. I mean, if my my um, my username and password's out there, I mean, it's not hard for me to switch things up. But I mean, I feel sorry for all these other people whose information is out there, basically for the taking right now. I feel sorry for you too, Sean. I just bought a new laptop on your account today. Okay, that's oh, fine. Oh wait, wait. Did, did I say that out loud? So basically, so basically, you're now telling me that if I go buy an Xbox, my account's gonna get hacked, and if I go buy a new PS3, my account's gonna get hacked. I might as well just stick to PC gaming because every console that's out there now hackable. Jesus Christ. Continue. Okay. Um, the, the Xbox was not hacked itself. It was Xbox Live. Uh, that's the only thing that has really major information. The Xboxes, like the PSN, were, was the only information that people were going for. So, I'm not completely sure what's going on here. I don't know who Lil Sec will go after next, but uh, definitely keeping up with these stories for a while. Very interesting. Very interesting. Apparently, apparently I should go buy a Wii because Wii's can't be hacked. That yes, they can. Idea. Anything oh, can yeah, be can. hacked. Nintendo's website was hacked also by Lil Sec. Oh, fuck it. I'm going to go buy a Sega. I'm safe from the Sega. You can't hack a Sega. There's no online play. But Dreamcast there was. Uh, actually, that's yeah. all the news I have. The dream, but the Dreamcast failed because they didn't really promote the fact that they had great online play. I mean, that was the PS uh, ones doing. They, they were the ones that kind of pushed online. Whilst uh, Dreamcast had 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 the first DLC, they didn't really push the DLC and the use of the internet that much as they should have done. Yeah. Uh, also, well, I might as well say this right quick. Also, this week, uh, Duke Nukem came out. And the reviews were, I guess saying harsh is not really what I have to say. I mean, the reviews for it were massive, uh, massively bad. People are crapping all over it no matter what. Um, but the game is actually pretty good. It's Duke Nukem. Like, it's Duke Nukem. That's basically all I can really say. The gameplay is basically one of those that's just having fun. Um, kids shouldn't play this no matter what. Uh, there's naked women on the screen, basically for the sake of naked women being on the screen. You know, turns. I can remember playing Duke Nukem for the first time, and I think it was 1997, after I got married the first time, and due to a, an unfortunate incident where I lost my apartment thanks to my... Uh, soon-to-be wife, and basically would have been homeless if it wasn't for the fact that I got married and moved in with her parents temporarily till we got back on our feet. The first time I ever in my life played a Duke Nukem game was on the PC because my father-in-law, while not a gamer, did like to play stuff like Wolfenstein and Doom and, of course, Duke Nukem. And I can remember playing it for the first time and thinking to myself... Self, this game has some very raunchy sayings. It's got some very interesting gameplay. You know, for example, you're going down the corridor and you've got all these big alien pig things. And I can hear him say, suck it, suck it down, suck it down. You know, and you got all these naked women that are being, you know, objectified by these pigs. And then you've got Duke Nukem sprouting out things like, come get some. Hail to the king, baby. I loved it. I loved Duke Nukem the first time I played it. 
I remember owning a PS2, and I remember even the PS1 playing Duke Nukem A Time to Kill. I remember playing those games. I was a fan of Duke Nukem. But this is 2011. What did Duke Nukem Forever bring to the table that was different from that experience that I had in 1997, 1998? You know, we're talking about a, a game franchise that was just kind of left behind. Well, yeah, didn't it? Because it took about, what, 12 years to make the game because they wanted to do it on the, like, the PS2, then they wanted to do it on, on the 360, now they wanted to do it on the PS3, and they had to keep updating the game more and more to do with the new consoles. Now it's finally come out, it's kind of like bland. I mean, you get a mixed reviews. Like Sean said, there's people that hate it, there's people that love it. It's kind of one of these games where it's, it's kind of like Marmite. You either love it or you hate it. And I really can't comment on that pretty yet, but it sounds a bit bizarre. I mean, there's a game type called Grab the Babes, which sounds a, mm-hmm. something about grabbing little school kids, which to me doesn't sound right. <laughs> well, you know, Duke, uh, Duke always had some of the best one-liners, though, in video game history. Uh, the aforementioned PlayStation 1, Duke Nukem, A Time to Kill. So everybody, have you ever played that game? That was back when, you know, Taco Bell had the fucking Chihuahua, you know, and they had the Chalupa, and then, you know, you'd have the uh, the little Chihuahua saying, here, you know, Chalupa, 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 or whatever. Well, there were scenes in that game where you're in the sewer, and there's these big fucking lizards, and Duke Nukem would be like, here, lizard, 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 lizard. And... The one scene where he goes back into the Wild West, and it opens up, and you see, as soon as you walk into this area, you see this guy who's hanging from the tree. And the first quip out of Duke Nukem's mouth, now that's what I call well hung. So he's always been the king of one-liners. Now, granted, a lot of them came from uh, you know, a, a very cult favorite here for me in uh, you know, the... And Bruce Campbell, you know, playing the character of Ash from, you know, the Army of Darkness and, of course, the Evil Dead series. Mm-hmm. I always felt like he was a direct ripoff. But, I mean, again, is there anything that really makes this game stand out as something that we've waited for all these years? Does it, does it deliver the goods? And a lot of people are saying no. I haven't played it. I can't comment on it. It has piqued my curiosity. I'd like to play it and find out what I think. But... I just kind of feel like this was a series that was left behind and bringing it back, you know, fucking 15 years later. I just, I don't know. I've, uh, I got it on the 360, but I've been playing it on the PC more so than anything else because the graphics on the PC are a lot better than they are on the 360. And as far as I've gotten on the PC version, there's, the the one-liners continue to flow out. There's massive sexuality. I mean, the game is fun. It's a first-person shooter no matter what. 3D Realms did a great job with what they had at the time, and then Gearbox came out with the rest of it. I don't really know what Gearbox worked on. They didn't really tell us. I'm guessing the multiplayer was the more so part that they worked on, but Duke Nukem is not for everyone. People are going to, people are going to crap on it no matter what because it's Duke Nukem. It took 12, 12 to 14 years to finally get to our hands. And it's basically, as I've said before, it's basically Duke Nukem. Now, I do want to say this. Uh, Green Lantern's out this week. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to attempt to see that next week just so I can talk a little about it on next week's show. So that should be for an interesting show. Um, next week also, I will try to have stuff from tomorrow's expedition to the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. I'm going to try. I, Shatner's probably no chance in hell is what I'm hearing uh, that I'll get a chance to sit down and talk with him. Uh, Summer Glau is not doing media uh, interviews. Uh, Tia Carrere is full. She won't be doing media interviews. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens tomorrow. But uh, for those of you that are big into like animation and stuff and watched cartoons like the Animaniacs, there are a couple of people that I am going to make it a point to go talk to. Uh, one of them being Jess Harnell, who we know is the lead singer of Rock Sugar. And not only that, he supplies the voice of Ironhide in the Transformers movies. And he's also known as the voice of, I think, it, I, I'm trying to remember here, it's either Yakko or Wacko Warner from the Animaniacs. So this is a guy that I definitely want to talk to simply because uh, this is the field that I've always wanted to get into. With all the voices that I can do, I have always wanted to do cartoon voices for, you know, for a series or something. And I think that this is going to be a good interview. I want to hear what he has to say. But not only is am I going to talk with him, I'm also going to talk with uh, Maurice LaMarche, who you might not know the name, but you definitely know the voice. Uh, he was he actually did the voice of Egon on the real Ghostbusters. And he also did probably the most recognizable voice that you remember him from uh, was Animaniacs. He was the voice of the brain. So these are two guys that I really want to sit down and talk with and find out how they got their start. And uh, if I do get those interviews, we'll make sure that we play clips of those and uh, add those to the website here at SundayNightShowdown.com exclusively for you guys. Free content on this network. Definitely sounds like an action-packed uh time you're going to have tomorrow so I definitely can't wait to see uh or hear excuse me what uh what definitely comes out of that i'm a little i'm a little wounded that nash isn't going to be there but uh you know i will talk with ddp and it will be cool so it's all now, good i have a question did you guys get to see last night on the jimmy fallon show the three uh the ps3 uh footage of battlefield 3 i did not no well basically they had, you know what they had at E3, the uh, level where you're going through like the buildings and then you get hit by the uh, lorry, and, no, sorry, by the uh, grenade that hits a truck and blows up. Well, they had that on, uh, on the show, and it looked terrible. It looked, like, it looked like someone had basically taken out the alpha coding, and it looked freaking awful, and the PS3 people were going crazy saying how much the E3 footage was a lie because, like, the E3 footage was fantastic. Yet what they showed on last night's show was terrible. And people were going back to crazy. But like I say, I'm pretty sure it's just alpha code. But if you guys get a chance to see it, it was pretty horrendous. Like, so it'd be interesting to see how they fix that in, like, when they bring out the proper game. Because if it's like it is now and what they released last night the fans will be going batshit crazy considering what was shown at E3 and what was shown last night on TV. Huh. 
No, I, I didn't get. I don't usually watch Jimmy Fallon. I, I've said this many times. I don't get a chance to really watch a lot of shows. I'm so busy with just everything, you know, being a dad, <laughs> playing video games, you Which, know, doing a radio show damn near every night of the fucking week. You know, I mean, it's it's just a, it's a busy life for me, Crelly. You know, and I don't watch TV. I watch Netflix. And I watch shows that I, I can't even watch, which brings me to another funny story. Last night, we're, we're basically looking at the Netflix queue, and Harmony's like, so what do you want to watch? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And so she goes, all right, well, you pick the movie. We'll, we'll figure out, you know, whatever you want to watch, we'll watch. So we're surfing around, and, you know, I, I recalled a couple of weeks back when I brought up Endgame with Kurt Angle and how awful it was. And so Almighty Thor with Kevin Nash comes up on the queue as a new movie. And I said, all right, we are totally watching Almighty Thor. I didn't get past the first five minutes, guys. I, <laughs> it was awful. The acting was terrible. The special effects was so shitty. I just I said, okay, let's watch something else. And <laughs> we literally turned it off. So, yeah, I, I just I don't watch a lot of TV, Crelly. I'm, you know, always doing something. So. And and as far as all you fathers out there, don't think I've forgotten about you. Father's Day is Sunday. And I want to go ahead and take it upon myself to wish you all a happy Father's Day. And usually, at the end of the night, we do a song of the night. Tonight, it's going to be a little different. I am going to be playing something, but it ain't a song. And it's going to be dedicated to all you fathers out there. But with that said, we're going to go to the phone lines and open things up. Uh, the number to call, of course, 501 588 and uh, let's go to the phone lines. Welcome to Unplugged. Who's this? Hey, what's going on? This is Charles. Charles, what is on your mind, dude? Oh, yeah, the, the beard's here, too. Now t- tell the beard I said fuck off. I'm not even going to say that because I don't want to hear it tonight. Okay, I hear you. But uh, I, I, I've just been working on the future lately. The future? Because, you know, right now we're in the present. And yep. you're working on the future. I've been working on the future lately. Now, the future is coming soon. I can't the wait. The future is looking awesome. Uh, from what I saw of the future, yes, it's looking really awesome. I threw two more teaser shots out on my Twitter. Ah. People seem to like them. Well, they're going to love it once it launches. That's for sure. Yeah, it should be pretty awesome. I actually incorporated a brand new feature that you don't even know about. you have to check it out of the show. Oh, awesome. I can't wait. It's going to be another way for... Uh, I have to think I think Mac Daddy because it's been a while since uh, this feature has been around and he said something about it and it's going to make a return now. Another way for people to interact with each other when the show is not on the air. Oh, sweet. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued now. I'll have to check that out at the show. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things I, I, was t- like I was talking to you about earlier today is what I wanted to do that's new is... Make it to where if you show up on the website and you're on a mobile device, you should be able to listen to the show without downloading anything. So pretty much if you go to our archive now, I told you uh, and showed it to you, that you'll be able to listen to the whole archive of all the shows that we have archived there by just hitting a play button by the show that you want to listen to. And it'll launch on your iPhone, your iPad your iPod, whatever. So I'm trying to make everything more accessible to a mobile device so people can listen to stuff out there while they're on about if they forgot to sync it to iTunes or something like that. 
And this new interaction thing will be no different. Has a nice little uh, mobile feature built into it. Awesome. Yeah, it should be pretty sweet. I'm psyched. I can't wait. So, since I have you on the line, real quick, okay. we, we we talked about this earlier, and Crelly was uh, didn't exactly know what's going on between Warrior and Hogan. Um, yeah, you told me a little bit about what was said. If you want to tell other people that haven't heard about it, feel free to do so. Okay. Yeah, it was actually awesome. I enjoyed watching it a lot. And one of the things I will say first off is when you watch this, and if you, I mean, you're crazy if you're a wrestling fan and you haven't followed Hulk Hogan's career, but you could really see how a lot of the stuff Warrior's saying. I mean, none of us know it's 100 percent true until someone close enough to it, other than Warrior, comes out and says it. But you could really see though how this stuff Warrior's saying is probably true. And just so, I mean, some of the stuff he said was, you know, he's saying Hogan and other people have been airing dirty laundry and airing bullcrap about there and just constantly lying. He called Hogan a pathological liar and everything else about all the things he's been saying throughout his career and lately. Uh, pretty much called Hogan out saying, you didn't re- reconnect with Macho Man before he passed. That's a bunch of crap. And uh, pretty much letting everybody know that, I mean, he he might not say it, but you can tell that if Hogan would have just kept his mouth shut and not put that two to three minute video out or whatever, that pretty much all it was, it wasn't even a tribute or nothing. It was just saying, you know, we were in contact. And it was just like what you said in the video. It was just kind of a way like Hogan was trying to clear the Hulkamania name and let people think that, oh, yeah, Hulk Hogan before Macho Man died, he was trying to do good, you know. And, you know, you can you can really see that that's what that was, because in his video, it wasn't like DDPs. It wasn't like Ultimate Warriors where they had nice tributes and stuff like that. It was more of I want people to understand that Hulkamania was trying to be friends with the Macho Man again. Don't hate Hulkamania because we didn't make up before Macho died or whatever. But some of the dirty laundry that he aired was things like, you know, supposedly Hogan and Linda had an open relationship where they had no problem letting each other sleep with other people and friends and stuff like that. And so and supposedly Hogan would offer wrestlers to sleep with his wife. And Warrior said, I think I uh, might be the only person that actually turned that offer down. When Hogan, because supposedly Hogan offered Warrior to sleep with his wife and stuff like that. And then put a thing out there about how weird it was that Linda got like kind of flipped out or whatever when Hogan slept with one of Brooke's friends. And then, so what, what does Linda do? She goes and sleeps with one of Brooke's male friends that's only 17 years old. So, just crap like that. And then he commented on how it's kind of weird that Hogan, the person he married, or what was weird was the person that Linda slept with that was Brooke's friend at the time that was only 17 kind of looked like a younger Hulk Hogan. And now if you look at Hogan's wife, he's like, if you look at her, that's like, it's an older Brooke Hogan. And he says, if, I, if that ain't weird, I don't know what is. So he's just talking about how that kind of stuff is weird, that they're like sleeping with people that look like other people in the family and everything else. But there's like a big list of stuff. And like some stuff he even, he even said he didn't want to elaborate on too much of it because he he's going to put a, he's putting a book out and. He said he's going to, he says, if you pretty much saying, if you know, if this thing, this stuff is bad, wait until you read what he's going to have in the book. Wow. You know what? Hogan is going to do everything he can to get some money off of this. He's going to sue Warrior. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. He even commented on uh, Hogan uh, actually being a druggie pretty much his whole life. 
Like he even said, he says, uh, he called Hogan's little fanny pack that he always carried around. He called it his gimmick bag because Hogan, he says, I doubt now if people check your bag now that this stuff will be in there now that I'm bringing it up. But supposedly Hogan always carried, uh, weed in there and, uh, might maybe even cocaine because he said there's times Hogan would just sit around and snort cocaine all day. Wow. He said, now I don't know Hogan, if you've changed your life in the past few years or whatever, but I know that's how you used to be. There's days you would just sit around and snort cocaine. And he says, what about that little catchphrase you had about smoking weed or whatever? He called it pot or something. But he said, what about that little catchphrase you had? You would walk around saying a day without weed is like a day without sunshine. He said, you even had a little catchphrase for it. But yeah, supposedly Hogan carried on y'all. All kinds of drugs and paraphernalia in that little fanny pack he carried around. That was a little stash bag. That's awesome. Yeah. Again, so. we can't prove it, but Warriors say exactly. it. You know, and, uh, you know, the Warriors' credibility on a lot of this stuff, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, it's the Warrior. He's fucking looped in the fucking head. So you it is what it crazy? is. After seeing Hogan interviews and other people from back in the day, Warrior actually looks sane in his interviews. Or not interviews, but just the videos he's putting out lately. He actually looks like he's the same one. Well, even if you go back and, and watch, you know, 2007 when all the uh, the Benoit things happened, when he was on, yeah. you know, Hannity and Combs, uh, he carries himself really well. He doesn't come across like a fucking moron. He doesn't come across like he's a cracked out, you know, ex-wrestler. He's very knowledgeable in things he talks about. And uh, so, you know, I mean, again, we're talking about a guy who had a gimmick that was to be off the wall. Maybe there's some yep. truth to what he's saying. Yep. Also, he commented on the whole uh, Elizabeth and Mantra Man splitting up and stuff like that and saying that Hogan and Linda did have something to do with them uh, splitting up and stuff like that uh, because when Mantra Man would be on the road and he even said, well, Mantra Man's on the road wrestling with people like me and Hogan, you're out filming a movie or whatever. Elizabeth's at home and she's hanging out with Linda and She's got you and Linda in her ear telling her that she needs to get out more and she needs to go do this and go do that and pretty much hinting at, you know, don't be so close to the Macho Man or whatever. And pretty much he said, once you guys started doing that kind of crap, that's when the ball just started rolling to where their relationship went down the tubes or whatever. Now, I, and then it just pretty much saying he, he also commented on and look where that led to. You think that was a better life for her? not being with Macho Man and being with Lex Luger sitting there and he's popping all the steroids and she's over there doing pills? Well, you know, I, I will say this. I will say this. Uh, when Hogan was doing his tour, the Hulk Hogan and Friends tour, I still laugh when I hear that. There oh, is he a, commented on that, too. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he pretty much talked about that. It was a joke. There was a, there was a video that was making the rounds a couple of years ago when this was going on. And he's talking about what happened between Maz uh, with with uh, with Mach and Liz, and basically he said that you know they invited Liz to come out while he was I guess filming Mister Nanny or some shit, some yeah. movie I think it was Mister Nanny, and you know they were sitting somewhere in Florida or California at the resort, and Liz was basically running a train on the guys at the resort, you know, and she went back to her room with a guy. And Hogan made it out like he was the gallant one. And, you know, he was concerned and he was upset with her for doing this. And then Randy showed up and he took her to the room and he said the police had showed up because of the altercation that happened. And he just went about his day and tried to get away from it. And I thought, wow. Dude, I'll tell you what, if the things about Warrior, what Warrior said, the things about Hogan and his wife are true. Yeah, I bet Hogan just passed on that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So... 
But if you haven't seen the video, and I haven't, I'm going to check it out later on. And, uh, man, it sounds awesome. Also, some of the stuff he commented, he commented further on Macho Man, letting you know even more that the main reason for this video is because of the bullcrap video that Hogan put out. So, if, truly, if Hogan was smart, he would have never put that video out because all that stuff would have stayed in the closet, and at least by the Ultimate Warrior, because he put that video out, and then you can tell that's what really feuded the whole thing for Warrior to let all this stuff out. But one of the things he said is uh, he said in that interview you put out there, you put out there saying the Macho Man cages around his doors and didn't ever want to come out of his house and all this other stuff. He says, obviously you don't realize that uh, for the past few years before Macho Man died, he's been taking care of his father. And uh, also what other people don't know about is the last altercation you guys did have together, the last confrontation thing where they actually met each other was at the hospital. And he said, I believe something about probably Macho Man was there doing charity work because he did charity work like that quite a bit. And supposedly, he says, instead of you being a man, Hulk, and you actually, just like he says, just like Macho Man, he did that song. You never wanted to you know, be a man, Hulk, because you never wanted to be a man. He said, Macho Man found out you were in that hospital, and instead of doing what you were doing, acting like the other person wasn't there and getting ready just to leave, he actually stepped in the room where you were at and said, what's going on? And supposedly invited Hulk Hogan to a barbecue, but Hulk Hogan played it off like he's too big to go to a barbecue. So Macho Man supposedly actually extended the olive branch to bring the friendship back in possibly and have him come out and hang out at a barbecue with family and friends and whatnot, and Hogan turned it down. Wow. It's pretty shitty stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, if people haven't watched it, I mean, like JJ said, and like I was, I was saying to JJ too when we were talking before the show about it. I mean, no one, unless some other multiple people step out that were also around when all this other stuff was happening, no one will never know, truthfully. But I mean, if you watch it and you look at the stuff Hogan's been doing lately and the stuff he's done in the past, it really looks negative towards Hogan. I mean, it looks like a lot of this stuff could actually be true. And especially since it probably would have never came out if Hogan wanted to release that video trying to clear his name, letting one everybody to think that him and Macho Man were becoming friends again. Right. Well, it's definitely something you guys should check out. Charles, anything else before I let you go, man? Uh, no. Look forward to the future. Um, I, I do want to tell you something. I'm looking forward to the future, too. And I was going to talk to you off the air about this, but uh, I got a contact number today, and I'm going to see about maybe setting something up for the Causecast this week. Uh, have you seen the new Facebook game that's uh, that's on Facebook right now, the wrestling game, Unstoppable? I've heard about that. I haven't messed with it yet. I haven't either, but uh, I saw the trailer for it today. And uh, I want to thank Colin Vaslow with Wrestling-Online.com, who actually uh, has been talking to the press agent. And uh, it looks like we might have the opportunity in the next week or so to sit down and conduct an interview with the developers of that game. So That'd be awesome. I thought the best place to do that would obviously be the Causecast because, well, that's what we talk about. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So Yeah, I mean, some of the Facebook games are actually, I mean, I haven't gotten into that one yet. I need to because the thing, I'm, I'm, I'm so like, kind of like shy to get in those games because then they suck up my life. Because some of them can be pretty addictive. I actually played the USC game for quite a while because that was pretty addictive. I thought that was pretty fun. And I'm hoping sometime that they release a WWE game like that. Right. Or along those lines. That'd be pretty cool. Well, very cool. I just wanted to pass it along to you. And uh, 
I will talk yeah, to you. Sweet. I will talk to you, and, and we'll uh, we'll finalize that and see what we can work out. Is Sean still on here? Sean is still here. Yes. Why are you ducking my All Stars challenge, man? I think somebody's scared. I think someone's scared. He fears the Just beard. Just keep it to yourself. Keep it to myself. Care. It's been like a month. Oh, you don't care. Obviously, you don't care because you know it's a loss. Loss in the making. Mm -hmm. Fear okay. the beard. All right, Charles. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, man. All right, keep up the good work, man. Yep. Future's Bye. looking good. The future's looking awesome. Yes, it is. All right. Close minds. Later. <laughs> Later. With that said, guys, let's go back to the phone line. Uh, welcome to Unplugged. Who's this? JJ, Bronx, what's up? Bronxy, what's on your mind? You know, man, you, you hear all this crap that they're walking Hogan, and I intend definitely, as soon as Unplugged is over, to check out that video. I uh, want to see the whole thing or whatever is available on YouTube. But, you know, one thing that the trade dog said, I don't remember if it was last WNL or the WNL before that, when you guys were talking about the Warrior putting out that little seven-minute, uh, you know, vignette that I watched. I mean, to me, all right, Hogan's done his shit. But you know what? So has Warrior. And it almost seems to me, like both these guys are doing something that's really distasteful to me is they're capitalizing on someone's death. I mean, okay, Hogan made his comments and, and some of them were shitty about the macho man, but you know what? If the things that the warrior is saying are true, and I'm not saying they're not, as horrific. I mean, he's, he's accusing this guy of doing shit that, I mean, the lowest of degenerates don't do. Pimping out your wife, you know, constantly being on drugs, carrying drugs around with you. If all this was so distasteful to you, why did you wait until a major news story like Macho Man's death to come out with this? Personally, this is my opinion, and whoever wants to disagree with me can, because as everyone knows, I don't care. I think they're both capitalizing on randy's death and to me it, it's kind of sickening man i mean I, I i don't know what warrior's real motivations are but i mean come on you wait till now to to say all these horrible things i mean i just think they're two old men who want to get their ass in the news again now see i see where you're going with that and you might actually have a point to some degree but when i think of the warrior stance on it I don't think he's really looking to gain anything. I mean, obviously, he's now on the social networks. He feels the need to go out and disparage Hulk Hogan. I don't think he's doing it so that you know he can make a name for himself. I literally think there was a friendship in play between him and Randy Savage, and he really felt like he was, you know, for lack of a better term, besmirched by Hulk Hogan and kind of thrown under the bus. And I think this is his way of you know trying to clear the air and let people know that it wasn't exactly how Hulk Hogan said it was. And from that respect, I have all the respect in the world for him. Can he prove half the stuff he's saying at this time? No, he can't. So I can see where you're coming out and saying, yeah, okay, Warrior might be trying to make a buck or might try to you know, do something to make a name for himself. And maybe to a degree that's true. But I, I want to take it, I guess, to a, to a different perspective. I want to think that he's doing this because he feels that, that Savage was kind of, you know, thrown under the bus by Hogan. And I hope that's the reason. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that anything I'm, you know, accusing either of them for is true. I mean, Hogan has proven that 
he's got the bigger mouth and is the bigger asshole. I mean, he comes out, he, he talks shit on the fans. Hogan seems to me to be the kind of guy who, you know, wants the fans when he's low on money. And then once he's making money, he throws us under the bus. But, you know, I need a, a little more evidence of Warriors, you know, of what he's saying. I mean, he's talking about a guy pimping out his wife, basically. A, I don't think, you know, Linda would do that. And B, if she did, as money hungry as she seems, don't you think she would have written a book by now? Don't you think, well, then again, she got so much from Hogan, she probably doesn't need any more money. But still, I mean, she seemed to be really pissed at him when they broke up for, you know, reasons we may not know. Yeah, but, but I, Bronx, Bronx, would you, okay, if you were Linda Hogan, would you want to come out and let the world know that Hulk Hogan basically allowed you to sleep with every guy on the roster? I mean, because that would make her look like the whore of Babylon, right? Mm, it would. It would. But, I mean, you have to look at, at, at her track record. I mean, you know, I, I'm not defending Hogan in any way. I think he's an asshole. But all I'm saying is if, you know, it was an opportunity for her to write a book, if it was an opportunity for her to get spread all over the news, yeah, I think she would. I mean, I, I just, I, I have a lot of trouble believing some of the things that the warrior is saying without him providing some other kind of proof. I mean, like I said, I have to watch the video. I haven't seen the whole thing yet. I've seen the seven-minute, you know, little thing he put out. And as I said, this show is more important to me than the Warriors video. So when this show is over, I'm going to definitely check it out. Uh, but... You know, I, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll all have to reserve judgment. I mean, if this does come to trial, as a matter of fact, I, uh, your, your wife enlightened me in the chat because I was always under the impression that the plaintiff being Hogan, the person who's uh, making the complaint, is the one who has the burden of proof. What Harmony is telling me is that if this is slander, Warrior has to provide proof of the things that he's saying. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, Harmony probably knows better than I do. It will be very, very interesting. And I think you and I can both agree on this, J.J., if this does go to some kind of trial. Because I think a lot of shit's going to come out in the wash. I think so. And uh, I want to comment on something in the chat room. The, uh, the American Dream says that Warrior is jealous of Hogan. Um, I, I don't know that I would agree with that statement. Uh, why would he be jealous of Hulk Hogan? I mean, let's let's look at Warrior's career. Maybe it was a sh it was a short lived career, yes, but Hogan never beat the Warrior. Hogan put the Warrior on the map, and seriously, other than that Halloween Havoc atrocity in which Hogan got the pinfall win over Warrior, <laughs> a match that nobody really cares about. There's no reason for him to be jealous of Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan has money troubles. The Ultimate Warrior does not. Jim Helwig is financially secure. Hulk Hogan, not so much. You don't see Jim Helwig out there or Warrior Warrior, whatever he calls himself, you know, working Rena Center commercials. He was smart with his money. He doesn't have a wife that he has to pay alimony to. Whose 17-year-old or 19-year-old boyfriend 
is driving his car and then allowing his nuts to hit the chin of Linda. Uh, of Linda. Oh, shit. You know? I mean, seriously. Oh, God. Seriously. Why would the ultimate warrior be jealous of Hulk Hogan? I certainly uh, wouldn't be jealous if some 17-year-old was, was fucking, fucking my ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, but, if, you know, with, with, with that being said, it, it, it's like, you know, if, if you read Hogan's second book, which I, I have, it's his point of view. It's very pro-Hogan. And I mean, you know, I wonder sometimes about how true some of the stories in that book are. Like him, you know, slugging, you know, liquor for seven days with a gun in his mouth. I don't know. If I'm depressed and ready to blow my brains out, I don't think a call from Muhammad Ali's daughter would snap me out of it. I mean, you know, the thing about these books is the books are always going to be written to, you know, make you have sympathy for, you know, the person in the book. Did, okay, let, let, me, let, me, let me throw something else out here. Okay. And, and, you know, again, I'm not taking sides here. I don't care. Me neither. Me I, neither. I don't care what's going on. I just think it's funny to watch. It's like that. Yeah. It's like that. It's like that car wreck on I ninety. My God, you know, <laughs> you just got a rubberneck. You, you know, you're gonna look. You know, you're gonna listen. You want to find out what's going on. And sure, um, I want to throw this out there. In two thousand and five, Hulk Hogan was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Okay, if you go back and you watch any of the the Hogan Knows Best episodes leading up to that point where Hogan is with his family, and he's talking to Linda, and he's talking to Nick, and he's talking to Brooke about how all those guys that were standing on the stage, you know, he was in better shape than all of them. You know, he was more financially secure than all of them. You know, guys like Paul Orndorff, whose arm is atrophied, who's obviously had a pretty rough life. Oh, yeah. You know, Hogan has always made an ass of himself when he compares himself to everybody else. Because Hulk Hogan thinks that he's the greatest thing that ever fucking lived. And he makes that point by saying those things. And the demeanor that he carries. Now that's not something that I'm saying, oh, well I'm making this up. There's documented proof if you go back and you watch the Hogan Knows Best show. That he literally well, I- thinks he's that fucking guy. And I think karma has bit his ass. Because when you look at what he's doing now, you know, his son's involved in an accident that nearly kills a kid, makes him brain dead for the rest of his fucking life. His wife left him and took everything she could. Karma's a bitch. And when you live your life a certain way, bad things happen to you eventually. Things catch up with you. I just don't think that the stuff that Warrior's sprouting out is too far from the truth. Now, again, I can't prove it. But a lot of what he says makes sense. Well, I, I, I've always been told what goes around comes around. I mean, wh- one of the things about Hogan that really disappointed me as a fan is, regardless of what the scenario was, I mean, you heard that phone call. And I know, J.J., with, you know, you keeping up on wrestling like you have, you heard that phone call where Hogan basically, and believe me, you don't get shit past these years. That was Hogan, where he basically insinuated that you know, uh, Nick's friend getting brain dead was kind of, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to 
paraphrase it because I don't remember the call exactly. I heard it a long time ago where it was basically, you know, like God paying him back for not being a good kid or some shit like that. But yet you pick up his book and he says, oh, you know, I offered everything I could to this kid's family. I, I, you know, wanted to help them in any way I could. And then they went and sued me. I mean, it's like there's so much freaking double talk that it's almost like Hogan, you know, was using his fucking promo skills to work everybody. You don't know what to believe anymore, but you know what? A phone call with his voice is a phone call. And I heard the shit that he talked, you know, on that kid. And and that's, you know, that's just not right. I mean, he spoke about in his book how, well, you know, uh, I went with him to buy beers and liquor, but I was buying them for myself. I certainly wasn't buying them for, uh, for Nick. And... I don't know, with his track record, Hogan, I kind of think that's bullshit. Again, you know, at the beginning of the call, it might have sounded like that I was trashing Moria, but I'm not. I think that, you know, Hogan has a lot to prove. Warrior has a lot to prove. And like I said, if it goes to court and people get subpoenaed, I think it could get very interesting. You know, I mean, let's, and this is going to be the final word on this. Sure. Uh, you know, let's, let's go back even, again, back to 2005, 2006. Uh, you know, Hulk Hogan initially had a had a run even prior to that, coming back into the company and having the match at WrestleMania. What was it? WrestleMania 19 with Vince McMahon, where McMahon, you know, put him over. And then they did the whole Mr. America gimmick. And then he left for a year, came back in 2005 and did his bit there. Um, going into SummerSlam in 2005, there was a match between Shawn Michaels and the Hulkster. Now, go back and watch that match. Go back and watch the politics that took place before that match. If you're going to put Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan in a match together, obviously the guy who should go over is the guy that can still work. The guy that, you know, is a much better athlete than you. That did not happen at SummerSlam 2005. Because Shawn Michaels had to go out there and put Terry over. And he oversold every move that he did to show his disdain for having to work with Hulk Hogan and for having to put over a guy that was 20 years older than him. A guy that had no business wrestling in the ring. Let's go a year later. Let's go to 2006 when Hulk Hogan had a match at SummerSlam against Randy Orton, the legend killer Randy Orton, the now WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Let's go back to that match. Who got put over there? It certainly wasn't Randy Orton. You're going to tell me that Hulk Hogan is still a better wrestler at his age than Randy Orton? You know, and then you go back to the Hogan Knows Best where Vince tells Hogan that he wants more of a commitment from Hogan if he wants to stay in the company. And Hogan's all butthurt because he feels like because he's Hulk Hogan, he doesn't have to give that kind of commitment to Vince McMahon. And then he ultimately left and, you know, never went back. Well, one more real quick. What about Hogan and Rock? I mean, Hogan comes out. It's in Canada. Okay, you know, it, it, whatever. But we're talking a few days, a week or two before, Hogan and the NWO beat the shit out of the Rock with a hammer. He gets thrown in an ambulance. They run the ambulance over with a tractor trailer. 
and then Hogan comes out and he's the face. I mean, okay, yes, absolutely, that was the fans. That's not something that, you know, Hogan orchestrated. You know, the fans have freedom of speech. They can cheer a boo, you know, for whoever they want. But Hogan sure as shit took advantage of it, didn't he? Well, uh, hold on a second. I mean, the creative direction there was that Vince wanted to bring the NWO in. And obviously the whole goal at that point in time was to put The Rock over Hogan because The Rock was the star. And Hogan, you know, knowing Dwayne even as a kid, had no problems putting Dwayne over because he knew that, you know, he was, he was the man. And you really have to blame the, the guys, the, the fans in Toronto, the Canadians, because they have always loved Hulk Hogan. And that's the only reason there was a change there. You know, I don't think, I mean, Hogan ate it up, yes. But you will go back and watch the match, and Hogan's just stunned when this is going on. Yeah. So. I, I mean, it, it, it's, you're right. It, it's so, I'm not going to challenge you when it comes to wrestling knowledge. I mean, you know far more than I do. You have a better memory than I do. But, I mean, basically, just in the end, and, and, and then I'll, you know, let you guys go. Uh, as far as this Hogan warrior thing, I think, there are some truths on both sides, and I think it's going to come out that there are some. I, I really believe there are a few exaggerations on the Warriors' side, but as you said, we don't really know the real story. And you know, if I'm, I hate to say this, I hate to be a, uh, you know, uh, I really think it's going to go to trial, and when it does, a lot of shit's going to come out. Now, if Hogan, you know, drops this, that gives a lot more you know, credibility to me of what the warrior is saying. Right. If warrior warrior happens to, which I don't see this happening in a million years, happens to, let's say he gets sued and he settles with Hogan to just drop all this, then you got to say a lot of what the warrior is saying is bullshit. But it's going to be interesting. It's almost reminiscent of this, uh, you know, old 19, early 1990s, late 1980s feud between them coming back to life. And as, you know... The adult in me is laughing, but the kid in me, like in that old serial commercial, is kind of interested. I'm, I want to see where this goes. Right. Well, Bronx, I appreciate the call. Uh, I got to let you go, and, and that's going to do it for the calls because I'm running way over, way over tonight. But uh, I am going to kind of trans, uh, I guess, go into some emails real quick before we get out of here. But Bronx, thanks for the call. Great China interview, brother. Take care, man. Thanks. Oh, you guys still with me? Yep. Yeah, I'm, still here. I'm here. Yep, that's all you have to say, yep. That's yeah. it? I mean... Yeah. I, it, it was a great It was a great call by Bronx. I mean, I'm not going to disparage that. I mean, it was a great call. Definitely was very enjoyable to hear both sides of what both of you all had to say. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out from Hogan later on coming up, and it's going to be a whole lot more so with the warrior i mean i haven't seen the videos i'm not going to watch the videos because it's drama that i don't want to see so i mean it's just one of those things where it was a great call i definitely enjoyed the call and i definitely can't wait to hear what comes out later on but i'm not going to jump myself into this and basically try to see where both of them are coming from right well i tell you what let's go ahead and uh and go into some emails for tonight and uh, get ready to wrap the show up. So that means play. 
Hello, everybody. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. I've always really wanted to do this. I have received an email. And I, too, have received an email. And this one comes to us from... Uh, let me make sure there's a different name here. This one comes to us from... Uh, Stephen Ashworth, also known as 107.9 Graphics. So his title for this is the Zack Ryder situation. Hey, JJ, I have been absolutely hooked on Unplugged and WNL for some time now. Each show just continues to improve as time goes by, and it's a testament that you guys, for all the blood, sweat, and tears you have put into this. Once again, thanks to you guys and also Trey. I have some theories on where the WWE are going with Zack Ryder. One, he will make the biggest heel turn in history once he makes it onto full-time WWE TV by turning on the fans. If you look at his character and the way he has built up his following online, he could so easily stop doing the things that the fans love and they would soon hate him. He could stop the catchphrases, stop the fist pumping, change his music and look, blame the fans for not being on TV. Just imagine the reaction this would get. Can you say heel turn of the century? He could do the heel turn much like Jericho, who stopped doing things the fans loved when he turned heel. Someone like Big O could be an enforcer for Zack and pick up his opponents when the referee's back is turned. He could jump opponents before matches, weakening them for Zack. If WWE decided to do the opposite of what the fans wanted, then just imagine how good of a heel they could have on their hands. Two. This is the more likely scenario for me. The WWE are smarter than the WWE Universe and the IWC thinks. After all, how many of us crave something we can't have? How many YouTube users crave Zack Ryder to be on TV full-time? If you're talking millions, right? I look at it this way. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. We really only get a taste of what Zack Ryder can do. And all this time, the fans are being cock-teased. Yes, cock-teased, guys. I suspect the WWE could be purposely cock-teasing the fans to build up such a following for Zack so that when he does make it to full-time TV, he will become one of the most popular superstars the WWE has. I think Zack has some backing from the WWE, given the fact he's had Triple H, Cena, The Miz on the shows. Both Cena and The Miz are big supporters of Zack. For that matter, so is Dolph Ziggler. So I have to think that the WWE would have given the ball to Zack in terms of building up an online following, and he's obviously ran with it. Another thing, I just looked at how the videos have progressed with Rocky, with Rocky parodies and things of that nature. It's almost as if Zack is preparing for something. It's a story. Will the story have a happy ending, or will there be twists and turns along the way? Either way, I think the WWE will either, one of these scenarios, could have one of the biggest heels or faces in company history, because I can't think of many superstars that have had such a large following like Zack Ryder currently has. If I'm wrong, and WWE are just going against Zack, and don't like the fact that he's gaining a following online without them, and perhaps they're putting Zack in his place, if you like by keeping him off full-time WWE TV until they themselves say he is ready, or creative have something for him, Zack could be one of the biggest superstars in the WWE. With the right storylines and opponent, with the right storylines and opponents, he is primed for success either way. I truly believe that, and big props to him for having the creativity and drive 
to make something of himself. If I was a WWE employee, I would be doing something similar to this rather than waiting on creative like most, I think, many superstars can learn a lesson from this. Keep up the great work, guys. Stevie A. Good email. Well, that whole, that whole thing about Zach Ryder having the backing of the E, I actually listened to an interview with him. It was conducted by Stephen Richards. And he talked about how he came up with the idea of the show. Basically, he was bored of doing nothing and bored of wrestling on superstars. And his mum got him for his birthday, a flip camera. And he was sat backstage and he was just recording like random stuff. And then he turned it to him and he started like, talking crap to the camera. And he goes, you know what? This could get me on TV. And that whole, and the, his whole show came from him wanting to get on TV. Just wanting to be on TV week in, week out. And I don't see the E turning him heel because he is heel already. He's not faced. He's not officially turned faced. He's still heel. So surely you would, you would have to turn him face first to turn him heel. Well, that's true. But at the same time, I mean, we, we've seen him in the halls with John Cena on Raw. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where they're going with Zack Ryder. I think he's an untapped commodity. If Vince McMahon doesn't like him, like I said earlier in the show, let the guy go and let somebody else utilize his popularity. You either work with it or you don't. You know, Vince McMahon in the past has made it a point to take guys and, and even, well, guys and girls, even the Lita, Edge, Matt Hardy situation. He takes real-life things sometimes and, you know, takes the momentum of things that are going on and turns it into a storyline. Well, Zack Ryder has all this momentum. And to think that you're not utilizing that in some way but yet you would utilize the fact that Lita cheated on her longtime boyfriend, Matt Hardy, and fucked his best friend, and you made use of that rather than utilizing a guy that has so much talent. It just disappoints me. You know, the only hope of fit I have left is, is that next week it's fan interactive power to the fans thing. Now, is it voting for that? on the internet because if it is Zack Ryder will be in every single match on Raw he, he, he won't even be, be a choice <laughs> he won't even be a choice for the, van, for the fans to vote on so if he is he will be on every single match he will be in every single title match he, he will be Ryder Raw is Ryder and if it, and like I'm not sure how legit this, this voting actually is but if he is up for one of those uh, voting subjects, he will win hands down. Well, well so. you know, time will tell. I mean, we'll have to see. I, I don't even think he'll be on the voting for fan appreciation, but we'll see. It's bullshit. That's, that's total bullshit. So, Crelly, any final words before we get out of here? Um, be sure to check out the China interview. It was a fantastic interview. Be sure to check out our special unplugged with Kutahemi last week. Uh, follow me on Twitter, H2H Crelly. I am looking forward to the HBK interview on Monday. It will be fantastic. Uh, and that's it. So, Sean, over to you. Um, uh, really, the only thing that comes to mind is guys who's involved in the SNS picks contest. Get your picks in by Sunday before the pay per view itself. So I can get everything figured out. Um, can't wait to hear what SNS has got this week. It's definitely going to be a great show on Sunday. I'm definitely looking forward. 
the capital punishment myself. So it's definitely going to be a very interesting uh, pay-per-view. Uh, as always, the only other thing I have to say is the three simple things. U4L, Unplugged for Life. And I just want to say before we get off the air, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's SNS underscore JJSexA1. So feel free to follow me there. Don't forget to sign up for the SNS Radio Network Facebook page. I'll add you if you uh, are interested in joining that. And don't forget that uh, we will be on the air live this Sunday for Capital Punishment, 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And then Monday, the big show, WNL with Lanny Poffo and the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, live 11.30 Eastern, 9.30 Mountain Standard Time. We're going to have those interviews for you. And who knows what else is in store for Wrestling News Live on Monday night. But with that said, I will be uploading Beyond the Bell's latest episode by tomorrow. And, of course, What Would Fans Do coming out on Saturday as well. With that said, guys, I'm JJ Sexay. And you've just been unplugged. Good night, everybody. When we're together Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather Happy trails, Happy trails to you Till we meet again And now Samuel L. Jackson on Go the Fuck to Sleep. I was anxious to um, do the audio read of this book because my agent has twins, and he um, he gave me the book. I read it, and I fell out laughing. And I remember all those times when I did read to my daughter when she was that age. And everybody tells you reading stories will put kids to sleep, but it never works. It didn't in my house. Actually, if I picked her up and made up a story, it worked a lot better. But um, I did say go to fuck to sleep to her a lot. And I think at some point she would look at me when I would come in her room and she would look at me and say, go to fuck to sleep, daddy. And I would say, yeah, go to fuck to sleep. Audible Inc. presents Go the Fuck to Sleep. Written by Adam Mansback. Narrated by Samuel L. Jackson. The cats nestle close to their kittens. The lambs have laid down with the sheep. You're cozy and warm in your bed, my dear. Please go the fuck to sleep. The windows are dark in the town, child. The whales huddle down in the deep. I'll read you one very last book if you swear you'll go the fuck to sleep. The eagles who soar through the sky are at rest, and the creatures who crawl, run, and creep. I know you're not thirsty. That's bullshit. Stop lying. Lie the fuck down, my darling, and sleep. The wind whispers soft through the grass, hun. The field mice, they make not a peep. It's been 38 minutes already. Jesus Christ, what the fuck? 
go to sleep. All the kids from daycare are in dreamland. The froggy has made his last leap. Hell no, you can't go to the bathroom. You know where you can go? The fuck to sleep. The owls fly forth from the treetops. Through the air they soar and they sweep. A hot crimson rage fills my heart, love. For real, shut the fuck up and sleep. The cubs and the lions are snoring, wrapped in a big, snuggly heap. How come you can do all this other great shit, but you can't lie the fuck down and sleep? The seeds slumber beneath the earth now, and the crops that the farmers will reap. No more questions. This interview's over. I've got two words for you, kid. Fucking sleep. The tiger reclines in the simmering jungle. The sparrow has silenced her cheap. Fuck your stuff, bad. I'm not getting you shit. Close your eyes. Cut the crap. Sleep. The flowers doze low in the meadows, and high on the mountains so steep. My life is a failure. I'm a shitty ass parent. Stop fucking with me, please, and sleep. The giant pangolins of Madagascar are snoozing as I lie here and openly weep. Sure. Fine, whatever. I'll bring you some milk. Who the fuck cares? You're not gonna sleep. This room is all I can remember. The furniture, crappy and cheap. You win. You escape. You run down the hall. As I nod the fuck off and sleep. Leery and dazed, I awaken to find your eyes shut. So I keep my fingers crossed tight as I tiptoe away and pray that you're fucking asleep. We're finally watching our movie. Popcorns in the microwave. Beep. Oh shit! God damn it! You gotta be kidding! Come on, go the fuck back to sleep. This has been an Audible Inc. production of "Go the Fuck to Sleep," written by Adam Mansbach, narrated by Samuel L. Jackson. Executive producer Kristen Lang, producers Mike Charzik and Stefan Rudnicki, directed and engineered by Gabrielle Decure, music by John Herbst, copyright 2011 by Adam Mansbach, production copyright 2011 by Audible Inc. Fuck 
Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. As I said, that's dedicated to all the parents with children that won't go the fuck to sleep. Happy Father's Day, guys. We'll catch you next week. And hey, go the fuck to sleep.